Hello everybody, welcome to Mike's Mike. My name is salaciously rumoured to be Mike, and today we are undertaking season one of a six-season journey to the Upper East Side. I hope you have your Metro card. When I started these late 2000s, early 2010s recaps, there was absolutely no way that I wasn't going to cover Gossip Girl. I mean, for me, Pretty Little Liars, Glee, and Gossip Girl were sort of the big three of teen dramas. Who made the biggest impact? Check the spreadsheet. Now this show... Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very iconic. The amount of quotes and references that are all over TikTok and Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you call a legacy. So you know the drill. We're going to be doing an unnecessarily deep dive into the plot and characters, covering 121 episodes over six seasons. For each deep dive, I like to change the concept, and that's for two reasons. A, because it keeps things interesting for everyone, me included. And B, everyone wants a mic smack moment. It's true, it's true, but you can't outdo the doer if the doer is constantly changing what's being done. Now, instead of trying to cram multiple seasons into one video, for this series, I'm spreading it out to one season per video. And I'm doing a little bit of an HBO release schedule and that I'll release the recaps in twos. So season one today, season two next week. And then when I drop season three in a couple months or whatever, then season four will drop the next week and then five and six will be together. Season two is already filmed but I thought I'd split it up so you got something to look forward to. I'm so generous like that. Now, because this show is about gossip, I've got a little treat for you. For each episode, I've made like a mini late 2000s style tabloid magazine cover that references something that happens in that episode. And when I say I had fun with these, America's Next Flop Model, that is excellent. No, see, I really did something. Keeping it in the family, that is so good. I'm literally a low-budget, tacky version of Anna Wintour assembling the September issue. Actually, Anna and I have beef because Vogue Australia unfollowed me on TikTok after I tagged them in a comment asking if I slayed my outfit to an event. <laughs> I was like, hey, do you like my outfit? And they were like, unfollow. It was this outfit, actually. Come to Garçon Gyoji Yamamoto. Oopsies. It was bad for me but I respect their decision. Now, the best thing about these tabloid covers is that by the end of the recaps, we'll have a fun little highlight reel of things that happened at specific points in each season. This show is so, comma did you say, unserious. And this recap method feels very much in line with that. Now, we're also going to have a lot of me sitting and looking hot and talking. That's because looking hot is tiring and I need to sit down but also because when I filmed my Glee videos, I had sore ankles, question mark. You might notice that this video is something ridiculous, like two hours long for one season. That's because I got some feedback on the PLL and Glee videos that they didn't go into enough detail. So this one's for the haters. Hope you enjoy. As you'll no doubt soon discover, an absolutely ridiculous amount of work has gone into these videos. So if you enjoy it, be sure to like this video, leave me a comment, share it with a friend, and turn that ad blocker off. I'm serious. These masterpieces are free, so you better cut that shit off and reload the page. Thank you. The sharing thing's actually a massive help as well, so if you feel so inclined to share the Mike's Mike agenda across the internet, be my guest. Also, I'm starting to get close to 1 million subscribers, so if you're not subscribed already, you may as well. Babes, between my Gossip Girl recaps and my Lost videos, I've got months of content coming this year. I think we're ready to get started. I'm gonna pass over to a version of me from three weeks ago. I hope you enjoy. We open with a montage of New York and Peter Bjorn and John singing Young Folks. I would whistle if I could, but tragically I cannot, so I won't. A blonde girly is looking out the window of a train that's pulling into Grand Central Station and the girly in question, Miss Serena Vanderwoodson. Hey, Upper East Siders. Gossip Girl here, and I have the biggest news ever. One of my many sources, Melanie91, sends us this. 
spotted at Grand Central, bags in hand, Serena Vanderwoodson. Was it only a year ago our it girl mysteriously disappeared for, quote, boarding school? And just as suddenly, she's back. Instantly iconic. Miss Serena Vanderwoodson, she is the two E's nepotism baby. When Sharpay Evans said, I want it all, Serena Vanderwoodson can confidently say, I have it all. Blonde bombshell, perfect skin, 10,000 friends on MySpace, 27 figure net worth, Birkin bags to school. Serena Vanderwoodson is always on the move. I have to go. And she does have to go. Straight to the bar after school, to Bendel's, to the Hamptons. So straight off the bat, the first things we know about Serena are that she mysteriously disappeared off to boarding school and now she's suddenly back. Why did she suddenly disappear? Where has she been, Serena? She wants to be Alison to the renters so badly, like turning up to Grand Central with Rosewood level baggage. The summer Serena went to boarding school is the new day Alison de Laurentiis went missing. Now also arriving at Grand Central, we have Dan Humphrey and his sister, Jenny Humphrey. And they're arriving to meet their father, Rufus Humphrey. The kids have been spending time with their mother, Alison, out in Hudson, and we find out that Alison has moved away to spend time away from her marriage, and I'm glad that they introduced marriage problems in the first 100 seconds of the show because it's such a recurring theme. Dan Humphrey, or Lonely Boy as Gossip Girl calls him, is outcast, literature-obsessed, poor Brooklyn boy. When I say that Dan, Jenny, and Rufus are poor, I'm taking the piss, okay? Don't come for me when I say that they live in the poverty loft in Brooklyn. <laughs> it's a recurring thing that, you know, compared to the girlies on the Upper East Side, yeah, they're in a tougher spot. But then out of the context of the show, it's like, come on now. You live in a loft in Brooklyn, be serious. From Dan's first introduction in Grand Central, we see him looking at Serena. He's like, oh my God, the love of my life is back. <laughs> She doesn't even know who I am. I do have beef with Dan Humphrey, it's true. If you read that, I'm here to confirm it's true. It's a different kind of beef to say Chuck Bass, who we'll talk about soon, who is the absolute scum of the earth. My beef with Dan is that he's very much pick-me vibes. He's not necessarily a bad person. I just don't like him. And that's so fair. Jenny Humphrey, or Little J, is social climbing fashion prodigy annoying girl with sleigh tendencies. I know I'm gonna get backlash for this, but I'm speaking my truth, okay? Jenny Humphrey, she's in my top three favorite characters, okay? I'm gonna stand by her, like that's sister. She has her moments, like ooh, but then she has her moments, okay? I like Jenny's storyline because it's so ridiculous, especially in season two when she starts like wearing kilograms of eyeliner in every scene. Now Rufus Humphrey, in season one, you know what, I was prepared to set up my Twitter fan account called RufusFan11201. I mean, here we have a dad wanting the best for his kids, making waffles and shit in the poverty loft. But then in season two, he was really starting to piss me off. So I probably would have deleted the account and unfollowed Rufus updates and Rufus base. Where's my lighter? He just gets really annoying and gets in everyone's business, but we'll talk about that. But basically, Rufus's story is that he was somewhat of a rock star in the 90s in a band called Lincoln Hawk, which sounds suspiciously close to Lincoln Park, but let me mind my business. The news of Serena's return gets blasted all over Gossip Girl, and we see Blair Waldorf reacting to said news. Go piss, girl. Just a quick note on Gossip Girl's distribution methods. In the pilot and through season one, we see these types of texts going out from UESGRL17, which I'm assuming stands for Upper East Side Girl. But then later on, we start to see e-blasts by Gossip Girl sending updates via email, which in my opinion, somewhat professional, is a better business decision because she's sending out thousands of 
emails from a home internet connection rather than texting out thousands of text messages with media attachments in 2007. Gossip Girl is also a blog, so I imagine what she's doing is texting and emailing out condensed versions of a story and then writing out a longer blog post on the same topic. Basically, she's running her mouth across several platforms, which is very me. I don't shut up. Ever. I love how ominous this text is. Serena is back with two exclamations. It would scare a lot of people to know that Serena is back. So Blair Waldorf is supposedly Serena's best friend, but her reaction to the resurrection in Grand Central does not necessarily imply BFF. Blair's just kind of looking at her phone like, ew. <laughs> Okay. That, coupled with the implication that Serena didn't tell her best friend that she was coming back to New York, yeah, it's bad. Blair is at a party at her house, which henceforth I will refer to as Casa Waldorf. The party's hosted by Blair's mother, Eleanor, who's a fashion designer, and comments on how Blair is wearing a dress she designed, but it doesn't fit her perfectly. Thanks, mom. Side note, the actress for Eleanor Waldorf changes after the pilot, and the new actress takes the character in a more quirky and aloof direction, which I think works better. Now, Miss Blair Waldorf is one of the best characters in the show, if not the best character. Not even just in terms of her constant fashion serves and comedy slays, but I think she also has one of the most interesting plot arcs, especially in the second half of season two. I would say Blair Waldorf is high society, nepotism, baby, preppy fashion, beauty, and brains, juvenile, driven, catty diva girl. Another reason why I like Blair so much is that she's easily identifiable in a crowd. Like she knows her brand. NYC Chanel rich girl, Call, right? Blazers, hats, headbands, preppy shoes, high socks. But then out of nowhere, she'll pull some iconic evening gown look. Now, Blair Waldorf is dating Nate Archibald. I would say that Nate is probably my favorite male character on the show. Like no thoughts, just vibes in that head of his. And thank God for that. Now, Nate comes from old money, like ancient money, prehistoric money. I would say if Blair's attitude at being born into wealth is I'm rich and I love it, right? And Serena's is I'm rich, but I'm not like these other girls. Then Nate's would be, I'm sorry that I was born into wealth. I didn't choose this. And I'd say that that becomes more apparent in season two when some family drama happens at the end of season one and puts Nate in a tricky spot. Nate is absolutely coasting through life by his good looks and connections, but he's also nice and not a piece of shit. My friend described him as one of the original himbos. <laughs> so there you go. At this Casa Waldorf party, Blair pulls Nate aside and she starts ravaging him. She's like, let's do it now. And Gossip Girl's doing a little voiceover. She's saying, better lock it down with Nate B. Clock's ticking. Gossip Girl also implies that there's always been something between Serena and Nate. So Blair's locking down District 13 with quickness and haste. Legendary scene alert. Serena pulls up uninvited to Eleanor's party with what goes around comes around by Justin Timberlake playing in the background. People are whispering at her walking past. I heard she's pregnant. No, I heard she went to rehab. Blair and Nate are upstairs hooking up and Eleanor calls out. She's like, Blair, Serena's here and Blair's like yeah whatever I don't give a fuck but Nate's like oh my god Serena's here new character alert another one of my favorites Lily Vanderwoodson this is a potential mother Lily's first words on the show are so I told him forget it I don't care if it's Murakami it clashes with my sofa that is so iconic. Don't even start me. So Serena walks past and says hi to her mother, Lily. And we can tell by Lily's face that she had no idea that her daughter was back in New York City. She doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Lily in season one because they really amp up the whole, this lady doesn't give a shit about her out of control kids. All she cares about is getting married 700 times and being rich. Lily said, I'm the main character in my story and these children come second. In my opinion, Lily Vanderwoodson 
is the rich girl that Eve and Gwen Stefani were singing about. No man could test me, impress me. My cash flow would never, ever end. Now that little Gwen Stefani reference I made, yeah, that's going to be a little Easter egg later. I started noting down every time Lily would show up on screen with a different Hermes, Kelly or Birkin and or something like six or seven. Lily Vanderwoodson would absolutely be on The Real Housewives of New York, but pause that thought because we'll pick it back up in the season two premiere. Trust me, it's worth it. Serena asks Lily, where is he? They haven't let him out yet? And Lily's like, let's not talk about that here. Question mark, question mark, question mark. We also have creep chuck bass at this party and he makes like an offhand remark about how he's glad serena's back because we're starting to get boring i'll probably introduce chuck bass in a little bit and we also need to talk about this photo serena locks eyes with nate what goes around there's tension he starts walking towards her comes around a door opens between them and blair breaks the eye contact between serena and nate comes all the way back around blair puts the fake bff smile on serena I missed you. Absolute carnage in the penthouse. Serena says she has to leave. I have to go. And she bails from the party. So basically, in Upper East Side terms, Blair just kind of like shot an arrow into Serena's shoulder and then Serena sliced Blair's throat, right? Serena turns up to a facility and we see her looking in a patient room where her brother Eric is sleeping. So it looks like Eric Vanderwoodson must be part of the reason why Serena came back. I wanted to point out that at 5 minutes 50 seconds, we see the original interface of the Gossip Girl site. I want you to look at the filing system here. Like this is filed under Serena Exclusives Spotting. Like damn. Gossip Girl is in S's business, like subfolders. And then Kristen Bell's Gossip Girl voice says, And who am I? That's one secret I'll never tell. The only one. XOXO, Gossip Girl. And the camera pans out to show Dan Humphrey on his laptop looking at the screen which has the Gossip Girl blog post on it. He's keeping tabs on Serena. Literally, browser tabs. We then get the opening theme and title sequence which we know and love. You know you love me. XOXO. But this is potentially not the original opening. There's actually another version floating around and you can find it on YouTube and it's got Glamorous by Fergie playing and looks like this. It's so much more soap opera. It's just a completely different vibe and I'm glad they changed it. I saw a bunch of back and forth on Twitter of people arguing if it actually was the original or not, or if it was just like a sample intro edited by the CW for like press and screeners, or maybe it was even a fan edit. But it doesn't even matter, right? The one we ended up with is perfect. Anyway, back to the drama. I think those first six minutes of the pilot do such a good job at introducing key characters, plot lines, interactions, and relationships that carry on for at least the rest of season one. Dan lusting after Serena, Blair and Serena fighting over Nate, Lily on I don't give a fuck mode, like you get the idea. So next we find out that Serena's brother Eric has been in this facility, the Ostroff Center, because he tried to S-word. Serena's mad at Lily for trying to sweep this Vander Woodson reputation ruining scandal under the rug by hiding Eric at the Ostroff Center and telling everyone that he's with his aunt Carol in Miami. Lily's like, babes, you fucked off to boarding school. Respectfully, you don't know shit about what's been going down. Also, I think the Ostroff Center is actually an Easter egg because the CW's president of entertainment at the time was Dawn Ostroff. That's fun, I guess. Jenny and Dan are busy being poor in their huge Brooklyn loft getting ready for school. Jenny's already on her social climbing shit. She's writing all the invitations for this kiss on the lips party and she's hoping that she can secure an invitation in exchange for her services. The Vanderwoodsons have been staying at the Palace Hotel while cars of Vanderwoodson is being renovated. Nate Archibald's waiting at the front of the Palace Hotel for Serenor, and she sees him. She's like, what the hell are you doing here, loca? 
And he's like, you seemed super upset last night. I just wanted to check if you were okay. And she's like, I did not Lil' Kim, La Bella Mafia track 16. I didn't come back for you. That was, that was a good reference. Blair is my BFF for L. And you're her boyfriend. And that's that. And you need to stay away from me. Oh, the tension. What's going on here, you guys? What happened between these two? Dan Humphrey runs for the bus to get to school. Ew, the bus? Stinky. And on the bus, he overhears Nate talking to Chuck. <laughs> Chuck. <laughs> Woolworths Chuck. Chuck and Nate are on the bus talking about Serena's appearance at the party last night. Now, I have such severe continuity issues here because you're trying to tell me that Chuck Bass... Son of billionaire Bart Bass and Nate Archibald from Prehistoric Money are taking the bus to school. Now nah, they fucked up because pretty much every other instance of Chuck traveling in the next two seasons is in a limo. The only time that I remember that he's not in a limo is when he's in a taxi because someone took the limo. There's just absolutely no way that this felon would take the bus over the limo to school. Now, come on now. Obviously, they've done it for plot convenience so that Dan can overhear them talking about the party. But yeah, no. What's my Chuck Bass voice? Okay. Serena looked effing hot last night. There's something wrong with that level of perfection. It needs to be violated. And I just think Chuck Bass is a disgrace. He's a disgrace to humanity. And that's just a taste of what's to come in the pilot alone regarding Yuck Bass. Serena meets up with Blair at the Met Steps, which are actually pictured in the back of this image, the Go Piss Girl image. Can you speak Spanish? See sí, girl. So they meet at the Met Steps and I think they're having yogurt. Ah, yes. Yogurt on the Met Steps. When I go to New York for the first time, you can bet that I'm going to be sitting on those Met Steps eating yogurt with a flip phone and a headband running my mouth on the text line. Actually, no. When Anna invites me to the Met then I'll sit down on the red carpet met steps and have yogurt then. That's a high impact visual, but we do have to deal with the PR crisis of Vogue unfollowing me on TikTok before we tackle the Met invite. Like, I got pushed back a few steps in the process, but we will rebuild. Now, the Met steps are an interesting visual tool in Gossip Girl because they're kind of used to show the hierarchy of the It girls. Like, Blair always sits at the top step above everyone else because she's Queen Bee, the best feature at the Big Apple since FaceTime. And then all her minions are on the steps below her. Now, remember that Jenny was writing the kiss on the lips invites in the hope of getting one in exchange for services. So Blair's giving Jenny her invite and then Serena turns up and she's like, cool, so where's the party? Like, and Blair's pissy that Serena's back. So she's like, sorry, sister Serena, you're actually not invited to the party because we all thought you were a boarding school and I just gave the last invite to little Jay. I want you to visualize the Met steps, okay? Blair's up here on the Met steps and Serena's down here. So she's looking down and saying all that stuff. And then Blair gets up to leave, goes down. Serena's now at the top, turns around and says, Blair, let's meet up tonight. We've got things to talk about. It's like a power struggle, a BNS power struggle. Dan gets an SOS text from Jenny, an emergency. Turns out she's having a fashion emergency at Bendel's because she can't work out what dress to wear for the kiss on the lips party. Also, when she tries on a dress, she says, too bad it's more than our rent, but I think I can sew something like it. I'm obsessed with that because she's an arts and crafts girly. Jenny Humphrey really said, oh, that's a cool dress. Let me whip up an exact replica in one business day. I truly wish that I could do that. My sister is a fashion designer and she can just make anything, which is so Jenny Humphrey of her. Plot hole alert. Jenny saying too bad it's more than our rent doesn't really make sense because mama, what are you renting? The loft? The Brooklyn poverty loft? Then explain to me how there's a plot line in season two of Rufus potentially selling the loft to pay for Dan's college tuition. He's selling a loft that he doesn't own. I'm gonna sell this apartment that I'm renting and cite the Humphrey Clause. At Bendel's, which is like a shopping center, Jenny and Dan ran into Serena, who was rescued 
Eric from the Ostroff Center for a little shopping spree. Dan does the old duck and run when he sees Serena. He's like, oh my God, my crush. No, she can't see me like this. Jenny gives Serena an invite for the Kiss on the Lips party. And she made this invite specifically for Serena after she saw the BNS power struggle on the mat steps. Jenny's working, okay? Jenny Humphrey is always working. She sees this BNS war, this power struggle happening. She's like, let me sell arms in this war. Let me write an invite to Serena to the party that she's not invited to. Also, when Serena and Eric are talking to Jenny, Eric hides the fact that he's Serena's brother that shouldn't even be in the city right now and should be in Miami with Aunt Carol. Time for the BNS meetup. Do you like my cup? It's from Japan, like this suit is. Hi, Vogue. Mmm. The flavors. Serena and Blair are at a bar and Back to Black by Amy Winehouse is playing. The bar is actually at the Palace Hotel, which is owned by Chuck Bass's dad, Bart Bass. It's also the same hotel that Serena is staying in. I'm just giving you context. Blair immediately starts cussing out Serena for randomly going to boarding school and not telling her anything. Serena doesn't retaliate and they patch things up, but Serena doesn't say why she went to boarding school in, I think, Connecticut. Connecticut. But we're glad they're not fighting anymore because when two main pop girls are fighting, it is so stressful. When Nikki and Mariah were on American Idol and fighting, it was a hard time for everyone. Blair also tells Serena that her father, Harold, left her mother, Eleanor, for a man. So Eleanor got an eye lift and lost 15 pounds. Blair leaves and Chuck arrives to find a tipsy Serena drinking alone at the bar. He mentions how his father owns the hotel and makes some like sexual remarks to Serena, but she's not having a bar of it. Ooh, I can get you a grilled cheese with truffle oil from the kitchen because my dad owns this hotel. And she's just like, okay. <laughs> she's like sure I'll have one but just because I'm hungry that's it in the bar kitchen creepy ass Chuck is like Serena you can thank me for the grilled cheese by getting with me and she's like no thank you I'd rather die so he tries to force her like that's assault he's a felon where is he this picture what is this picture? While this is all going down, Jenny gives Dan the idea to go to the Palace Hotel to find Serena because she's probably drinking at a bar alone, which is exactly what was happening. Dan arrives as Serena is running away from Chuck and they bump into each other and she drops her phone on the floor, her T-Mobile Sidekick 3 Limited Edition. Oh, you think there's a lot going on, that this is a lot of drama? You want drama? Blair sets up the perfect situation for her and Nate to seal the deal. And she's putting the moves on, but he's not really vibing it. Like, he looks uneasy. What's going on? Nate tells Blair that he had sex with Serena the night of the shepherd wedding a few months ago. Mmm. There's nothing in here, by the way. I sort of feel like Wendy Williams, like... We see flashbacks of Serena and Nate hooking up at the wedding and Chuck can like see the whole thing. So he knew. Blair's like, that's it. Like we're done. And she breaks up with Nate. The next day, Nate's dad Howard tells him that he has to get back with Blair because Howard has been courting Eleanor to let him handle the deal of her company going public. So he's mega putting the guilt on. He's like, your family needs you. We need you. So Nate goes back to Blair and he's like, I'm so sorry. Let's patch things up. Also, I'll never talk to Serena ever again. And Blair's like, oh, okay, sounds good. Blair is so Daphne White Lotus season two right now. Like she is just happy to be delusional. She's like, cool, that's so excellent. That event never happened. Live, love, laugh. I'm just loving, living and laughing through life. Let's go to Ikea. Just kidding. Blair would not be caught dead in Ikea. This couch is from Ikea, but I wouldn't recommend it. It's very stiff. Dan goes to the Palace Hotel to return Serena's phone. Holds one. Let me put my cup down. I need two hands for this. As Dan and Serena are talking in the lobby, Lily turns up 
and she's putting the spotlight on Serena. She's like, Serena, I bought you a dress for the Kiss on the Lips party, which you will absolutely be attending, right? You'll re-debut into high society in New York City. Now that you're back. That I didn't know you were coming back. But anyway, you're back. So you're going to the party. And Serena's like, ooh, because she doesn't want to go because the whole Blair Nate thing. So she's like, um, actually, I have plans with trying to find anyone. Trying to, what am I going to do? Oh. Hi, Mrs. Vander Woodson. My name's Dan Humphrey. So Dan and Serena have made these fake plans to go to the Lincoln Hawk concert, which is why she apparently can't go to the Kiss on the Lips party. Fake, fake, fake. Lily's like, oh, okay, whatever. She leaves and Dan's like, okay, bye. And Serena's like, so pick me up at eight? She's serious. You'd really go out with some guy you don't know? Well, you can't be worse than the guys I do know. This is kind of a big win for lonely boy Dan Humphrey from the Poverty Loft in Brooklyn. Like, Serena's the one that he's always like... (laughs) Ooh, Lily turns up at Rufus's art gallery in Brooklyn and she's got a bone to pick. She's like, why is my daughter going out with your son to your show? Wait, what? These two know each other? So you're telling me that Lily Money Power and Swag Vander Woodson knows Ratty Rufus from Brooklyn. Plot twist, turns out those two used to date when Rufus was a rock star in the 90s and Lily was a photographer. <laughs> And on top of that, they've got beef, right? It's not civil. It's not. Lily calls Rufus washed up with a so-called art gallery. Like, she kind of got him there. (laughs) Rufus is like, well, you have so much money because you've had so many divorce settlements. Okay. She's still rich and famous and slaying. Blah, blah, blah. Lily and Rufus agree to stay away from each other. Time for the crescendo of the episode. We have the Kiss on the Lips party coinciding with the Lincoln Hawk show. Blair, Chuck and Nate pull up to the party and Timberland's The Way I Are is playing. Don't start me, don't. Remember, Jenny Humphrey did the invite, so she's there as well. Chuck starts putting the moves on fresh meat, Jenny Humphrey. And she's like, oh my God, I can't believe the Chuck Bass is talking to me. But Jenny girl, this is not the serve you think it is. You need to run. You need to get out of there. Chuck's taking her up to the rooftop and he's trying to kiss her. and She's not really vibing it. So he's like, here. Drink this champagne, 14-year-old. Jenny sneaks an SOS text to Dan, who's with Serena. When Dan tells Serena that Jenny's having trouble with someone called Chuck, Serena's like, oh, no, nah, we gotta go. Serena and Dan go to the Kiss and Lips party. Serena's presence starts a shitstorm, because remember, she wasn't invited. S and B have a stare down. S doesn't know that B knows about her and N. On the rooftop, Chuck's trying to force himself onto Jenny. Dan and Serena get up there just in time, and Dan clocks Chuck with a juicy left hook. That's my right hand. Holds one. Ow. All right, so now let's talk about Chuck Bass. He's a fucking demon, okay? I feel like the writers spend the next 42 episodes trying to give him a redemption arc. They're like, ooh, he's a tortured soul. He's got so many daddy issues. You guys, come up. Maybe he's not that bad, question mark. But they went way too hard with the creepy antics in the pilot. Like, he tried to assault Serena and then he tried to assault Jenny in the same fucking episode. In my opinion, they can't redeem him. No matter what happens in the rest of the show, he's still a piece of shit and I won't forget it. The episode ends with Dan, Serena and Jenny leaving the Kiss on the Lips party, getting in a taxi and Serena's sitting in the back looking out the window and it's very reminiscent of the first scene where she's arriving to Grand Central Station on the train, she's looking out the window. We love parallels. Now, there's two things that I wanted to discuss for each season, one being the phones and two being the posters. I'm so obsessed with mobile phones and communication, which is just so masters of mechanical engineering of me. Like, sorry guys, not everyone would get it. And I specifically love, love, love that kind of 10 year time period between 2003 and 2013, where mobile phone companies were just doing anything. They were in those product design meetings, just saying absolutely anything. They're like, um... What if it like flipped open and shit? What if it twisted? What if it twisted, slid, and flipped? 
Uh-huh. Another thing about these old phones is that they are solid. If you dropped your LG chocolate on the floor, babe, she would survive. She would outlive you. She's still alive while you're, what, aging? Embarrassing. We've got a lot of iconic phones in this show, and I'm going to make a point of pointing out who's using what, because I think it adds a lot to each character because the phones themselves have a lot of character. If there's hundreds of phones to choose from when they were making this show, why did they choose the ones that they went with? In the pilot, our IT girls, our IT girls, our information technology girls, Serena and Blair are both using a T-Mobile Sidekick 3 limited edition. But then for the rest of season one, Serena uses a LG chocolate and Blair uses an LG Envy. In the pilot, Dan has a BlackBerry Pearl 8100 but switches to a Motorola KRZRK1M, which is similar to Jenny, who uses a Motorola Razr V3M. Chuck has a Motorola QCDMA, Nate has an LG VX9400, and Lily has a Samsung SCHU740. Now these are all fantastic, but I would say my three favourites would be the Sidekick 3, the LG Envy, and the Razr. The Sidekick has that dramatic twist-out motion, and then the Envy has two screens and two keyboards... And then the Razer is just like the quintessential flip phone. Now, sadly, I did try to get some phones to use as props for this video. And I specifically wanted the LG Envy because the two screens, two keyboards, babes, I couldn't find one. I guess what I'm saying is if you happen to work for LG or Samsung or Motorola and you can send me one of those old phones, let me know. I feel like recently we've kind of hit a wall with how much smartphones can be upgraded from the previous model. So we've seen like almost a renaissance of these interesting phones like the Samsung Galaxy Flip 4. I'm mentioning all of this because I think when the show came out, it was the perfect time technology-wise. Like everyone can text, send emails, call each other, but then there's still a limit to how connected they all are. Like if someone doesn't answer a call, then they're off the grid. It's hard to reach them. The characters aren't all over Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, which I think would have been one of the hardest things for the writers of the Gossip Girl reboot. The dynamic of online communication is just so different now. I tweeted this a few weeks ago. I said, working on this Gossip Girl series has me wanting one of my old phones with no internet so badly. These girls are just doing shit around town. They don't give a fuck about pop craven chart data. Oh, how much easier my life would be if I didn't care about chart data. There's just something in me that needs to know how pop girls are performing. Like, I just need to know. Now, I also mentioned the posters. This was the season one cast poster. Sexy, insecure, wealthy, handsome, dangerous, artistic, outcast, beautiful, young, sweet, naive. Now, all of those, if you really think about it, they're kind of me. Like, there's also this tagline that I love. You're nobody until you're talked about. And then each character has their own poster. Blair, trying to live up to expectations without cracking from the pressure. Nate, torn between the love of his life and the girl of his dreams. Serena, looking for her future by hiding from her past. Dan, looking for a friend, finding something more. Jenny, standing on the outside of the inside crowd. Chuck, out for a good time, no matter the price. I think my favorite posters overall would be the season one mid-season posters and the season two promotional posters but they have like plot points used in them and I don't want to spoil anything, so I'll talk about them when we get to them. Let's also quickly cover the issue of ages. As I go through the season one plot points, I want you to remember that these characters of the main cohort, so Chuck, Blair, Serena, Nate, Dan, they're all supposed to be 16, 17, and then the younger cohort, Jenny and Eric, are 14 turning 15. It's easy to forget how young the characters are supposed to be when they get caught up in all these ridiculous antics, but also because of the actors' ages. In 2007, when the show premiered, Blake Lively was turning 20, Leighton Meester and Penn Badgley were turning 21, 
Ed Westwick and Chase Crawford were 22. The most realistic of the main cast was Taylor Momsen, who turned 14 in 2007. In my opinion, she's also one of the best actors on the show, which very much reminds me of Pretty Little Liars, where Sasha Pierce was running around as Alison De Laurentiis in season one, where she was like 13. The rest of the cast are running around high school looking like they're college university age because they are. It's an issue that I have with a lot of high school shows, but it all comes down to one question, which is, did this need to be set in high school? And we will have an answer to that question because at the end of season two, the main cohort graduates. So season three, season four is like university. So season one is 18 episodes. In episode two, I got really scared. Really, really scared, really frightened, shaking in fear, convulsing almost, almost. And I was scared because there's so much foot content. What in the Quentin Tarantino is going on here? Why are there eight feet in front of my eyes at the seven minute mark of episode two? This election, remember to vote no to unnecessary foot content on TV. So Dan and Jenny are in the poverty loft in Brooklyn and they are recapping what happened at the end of the Kiss on the Lips party. Jenny brings up how when she and Dan dropped Serena off, Dan did this like cringe wave at Serena. Serena and Eric over at Temporary Cars Event Woodson in the hotel, they're also recapping the cringe wave, but Serena saying, oh my god, he waved because he hates me. Girl, shut up. We all know that he doesn't hate you, you included. Now this episode's called The Wild Brunch and centers around a brunch hosted by Chuck's father, Bart Bass. Fun fact, every episode title is a play on a movie title. This one's referencing The Wild Bunch from 1969. Now Bart Bass, he's a piece of work. He's like, like he gives me like that kind of vibe. You know, if I saw Bart Bass, I'd be like, like on edge. He's like a grown up business bro. Apparently he like built an empire, you know the deal. He hates his son a little bit. So the relationship dynamics of our core group are very rocky right now. Nate told Blair that he hooked up with Serena at the Shepherd wedding. So now Blair has cut off bestie BFF Serena. Yuck Bass was being an absolute piece of shit in the first episode and he assaulted Serena and Jenny, and then Dan arrived at the party and punched Chuck and gave him a black eye. Nate's feeling like the Serena situation is unresolved, so he goes to the Palace Hotel to talk to her, and he has to wait in the lobby because she's not there. Dan's also looking for Serena, so he ends up waiting in the lobby as well with Nate, which is awkward because Nate is friends with Chuck, and remember we have the Chuck versus Dan situation. Lily runs into both Dan and Nate and has very different interactions with both of them. She's friendly and conversational with Nate, and she's very cold with Dan. Remember, Rufus and Lily have history, and Lily doesn't want Rufus in her life, which has kind of trickled down to not wanting Dan in Serena's life. Chuck sees Nate and Dan at the hotel and he flips out at Dan and Dan's like, you fucking what, mate? I'll give you another black eye, yeah? Is that something you want? And Nate has to stop Chuck from lunging at Dan. Serena has gone to Casa Waldorf to talk to Blair to work out what the hell's going on. She brings bone dry caps which had me question marking a little bit. So I Googled it and apparently it's a traditional cappuccino without any steamed milk, but with milk foam. So I went to a coffee shop and I tried to order it. Can I get one bone dry cap? And the queen barista was like, now why would you want to do that? Which is so real. She explained to me what it is. I was just kind of like, oh. Hey, I got bone dry caps and Audrey. I must have totally blanked on the part where I invited you over. She kind of got her there, like it was bad for Serena. The Audrey bit is because having coffee croissants and watching breakfast at Tiffany's was one of their Sunday traditions. Serena's like, what the fuck's going on? Why don't you like me? And then the truth comes out. B tells S that she knows that S and N had sex. S, S, uh, 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 N, N. And Serena is like, ooh, oopsies, babe. How do I fix this? You don't. Blair tells Serena to choke, BNS war in full swing. Then Jenny turns up at Casa Waldorf, citing returning calligraphy pens. And Blair's like, I know why you're here. 
to find out what Chuck's saying about you, which is nothing. But since you're here, potential minion, why don't you help me get ready for brunch? Jenny's in heaven. It girl Blair Waldorf is talking to her and she's helping her get ready for this brunch with all these beautiful dresses designed by Blair's famous designer mother, Eleanor Waldorf. Ugh. Blair can see how much Jenny loves the dresses and she employs a tactic that she learned in Rich Girl Power Plays 101 and she gifts Jenny a dress. Get an expensive dress, you have an expensive dress. Give an expensive dress to the poor weird girl from Brooklyn, you've got a minion. There's a good quote from Blair here. She says, if you want to join this world, you need to decide if it's worth it. Very interesting, very topical for Jenny. Also, this conversation with Jenny is how Blair works out that the guy that Serena has been hanging out with is Jenny's brother, Dan. Lily and Rufus have a conversational coffee and Lily implies that Rufus needs to tell Dan to stop pursuing Serena. Rufus is like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. Or for a bit of smoked salmon, who's bothered about that? He's like, Dan's a good kid which is exactly what Serena needs. Now let's talk about this brunch. Earlier in the episode, Blair's mother Eleanor leaves her a note that says, went to Paris, brunch at two, wear pearls. 2 p.m. is not brunch, be serious, come on. Brunch is breakfast to lunch, brunch. 2 p.m. is snack time. That's like just before the 3.30 itis hits. Like that's almost Lina lunch dinner, outrageous. Ugh. Anyway, Serena comes back from Blair's to the hotel, sees Dan waiting in the lobby. Those two go to the brunch together. At the brunch, Chuck and Blair are like, what the fuck are those two rats doing here? They weren't invited. Nate still hasn't spoken to Serena because of the BNS Cold War, but he needs to talk to her, so he organises to meet her in Chuck's suite. Coincidentally, at the same time, Chuck is telling Blair that she needs to seal the deal with Nate quickly. Here's my card for my suite. Go enjoy yourself. Blair and Nate go up to the suite. They open the door to find Serena waiting for Nate. Oh, Blair has just fucking had it, right? She is Mad Max Furiosa. Like, she's furious. She's like, all right, Serena, you want to play like that? I'm going to go tell Dan all the shit that you got up to as the old Serena, which would ruin this whole good girl image that Serena's got going on. Meanwhile, Dan overhears Lily talking to Bart Bass about their relationship. The gossip. Girl. Remember, Lily doesn't like Dan, and now he knows this secret that Serena doesn't even know. But he promises to Lily that he won't say anything. Cyclone Blair descends on the brunch, and with the help of Chuck, she tells Dan about how Serena slept with Nate when Blair and Nate were an item. Serena and Nate cheat as amigas. Also, Chuck makes a comment about Jenny, so Dan pushes him into like this waitress holding glasses, and it just goes everywhere, it's just scenes on scenes. Dan's just pissed off and over it. Where is he? Here he is. He storms out of the brunch and Serena follows him and he's like, I thought you were different. And Serena's like, I was a different person, but I've changed. And if you can't accept that, then you're not the person that I thought you were. Like that was kind of an excellent response. This girl has PR training. The episode ends with Nate saying to Blair, either forgive me for this shepherd wedding shit or just let's break it off. Let's be done. Blair's like, oh, let me just forgive you real quick. Then something breathtakingly iconic happens. Serena's on I don't give a fuck mode as she frequently is. This time she's walking down the street looking at pictures on her phone, like pictures of her with her squad, Chuck, Blair and Nate. And then she chucks the phone in the bin. Just like that. Just like Toy Story. <laughs> I don't want to play with you anymore. LG chocolate in the bin. It looks like the ultimate insider has become a total outsider. It's your remove, Serena and you know who'll be watching Gossip Girl. That's how you know Serena is rich, rich. She doesn't give a fuck. It runs in the family. I want to be Serena Vanderwoodson so bad. Got ghosted, phone in the bin. Come across Lady Gaga applause slander on the For You page, phone in the bin. Also, I love this picture because she is serving so hard here. Like, <laughs> and I don't know why, it's just so funny. Like, everything Serena does makes me laugh. Like, why is your tie like that? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> also, in this episode, they've shut up and drive by Rihanna playing in two separate unrelated scenes. Like, they really said, let me use this license. Episode three starts with Jenny and the Constance Choir singing Glamorous by Fergie, but it sounds really weird. It's like, G, G, L, L. G, G, L, L, A, A, M. The Flossy, Flossy. <laughs> Ooh, the Flossy, Flossy. What? They did not need to be doing all that. So we hear this little acapella moment while our Upper East Siders are getting ready for school and Gossip Girl in the voiceover is talking about how important college application season is. Successful parents demand successful kids. There's going to be an Ivy Week mixer with representatives from all the different Ivy League colleges and everyone is just scrambling to secure their chance to impress. Dan's dream is to get into Yale, but he's up against tough competition. Trust fund babies with legacy entry prospects. I didn't really know anything about the whole legacy entry thing before I watched Gossip Girl. So preference is given to applicants whose parents graduated from the same college. Seems kind of fucked up, not gonna lie. If you don't have rich parents who either donate to the college or graduated from it, then you're starting at a lower point than those that do. Okay. Yeah, very good and fair and excellent. Nate wants to apply for a college outside of the expected path, but his dad's like, no, you're going to Dartmouth. Dartmouth? Dartmouth? Dartmouth. <laughs> Dart mouth. In Australia, darts like cigarettes. Like dart mouth is like ciggy breath. <laughs> Sorry. This is a common Nate plotline theme where he can see that his path in life is already laid out by his parents and his social status, but he wants to do other stuff. Blair wants Yale. Blair dreams of Yale. Blair's dad went to Yale. Yale, Yale, Yale. But nepotism aside, Blair actually is very smart, so she has a good chance of getting in. Serenor wants Brown University because it's away from all of her enemies on the Upper East Side. Blair and Serena are in the middle of their BS war and they're just fucking going to town, aren't they? They have a brawl at school during a hockey match while Will I Am, I Got It From My Mama is playing in the background and and then Blair says to Serena, hang on, let me make full use of this soundboard. Brown doesn't offer degrees in slut. Also, apologies for the lighting changing. Actually, I'm not sorry. Glug, 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 glug. But then Blair pushes it too far. She gets Chuck to follow Serena to get some dirt on her. And he sees her enter the Ostroff Center. Remember, the Ostroff Center is where Eric is staying. More on that in a second. Dan, Nate, and Chuck have all applied to be the Dartmouth... Dartmouth? Dartmouth. The Dartmouth usher. Nate gets the position when Dan absolutely should have. Nate even said to the headmaster during the interview, he was like, mm, I don't really want it. Like, surely there's someone else who wants it more than I do. And there was. And his name is Dan Humphrey and he lives in the Povo Loft in Brooklyn. When Rufus finds out about this, he's fucking fuming at the inequality. So he talks to the head of the events planning committee who turns out to be Lily. And he gets Dan into the mixer as a drink server or head of the refreshments committee. While at said mixer, Nate's not really hitting it off with the Dartmouth representative, so he basically just offers the Usher position to Dan, which is really nice. Side note, the Dartmouth rep is played by the same guy that plays the air marshal in Lost. Lost video starting in the next two, three, four weeks or something, so just prepare your brains. Like, I just want to let you all know so you can prepare your brains. Like, some of you will need more time than others to prepare. Some of you have much bigger brains than others. I'm just letting you know. Blair is plotting this total social destruction of Serena and she thinks that Serena is attending the Ostroff Center because she's an addict. So she's planning to blast this information 
to everyone at the mixer, including all of the college representatives, basically just ruining Serena's reputation. Which is exactly what she does. She gets on stage and says that her charity club is donating money to the Ostrov Centre because one of their fellow students is seeking help there. This is yikes because Serena has convinced Lily to let Eric attend the mixer to start socialising again. So he's there when Blair starts spilling all this shit about the Ostrov Centre. Blair calls Serena to come up on stage and say a speech about her attending the Ostrov Centre and Serena gets up and does it. Like she lies and says that she's a patient there to deflect off Eric. Fundamentally, Serena Vanderwoodson is a good sister. She literally burned her reputation to save her brother from the spotlight. Like she's a nice person. Again, like she's not bad. She just does annoying things. Also at the mixer, we had Eric and Jenny starting to become friends and he tells her about the attempted S word and Jenny tells Dan, so when Serena's up on stage pretending that she was at the Ostrov Center, they know that she's covering for Eric. Dan's like, wow, Serena, that was major cool. Maybe I misjudged you. Let's date again. Eric goes up to Blair and he's like, hey, rat, look at my scar. Girlie is gobsmacked. I had no idea. Well, yes. Her clownery caught up with her and she feels like absolute shit. Good. The next day, Nate meets up with his dad to go for a run, and his dad has BYO'd the Dartmouth rep. Hey, Mr. Air Marshal from Lost, Nate loves Dartmouth. Like, he loves Dartmouth. Get a job. Serena and Blair have had enough. They meet up and have a chat, and the BS war is over. Blair says that she wrote Serena a letter when Serena left for boarding school, but she never sent it, so she decides to read it out loud. All about how she was hurt when S left without saying goodbye and never called her, even though she knew that B was going through all these family struggles. Remember the mum and the dad divorcing? But then also because Eric told Blair everything, B knows that not everything's great with the Vanderwoodsons. Tears, tears, tears from the girlies. The war is over. Everybody celebrated. Everybody yesed. In episode four, Bad News Blair, Blair has a dream that she's in Breakfast at Tiffany's and she's trying to get into the store, but she can't. But she looks through the window and Serena's in the store. Mmm, metaphor, think. This is the first of many Blair dream sequences and I love them. They're so fun. We now officially have the new actress for Eleanor, the quirky one. I'm so quirky. Like, I'm so quirky. So we see each other. I would say that Eleanor is successful, slightly mean and demanding fashion lady. But there's also something not so slay going on here. For instance, Blair reaches for a croissant and Eleanor's like, mm, how about some low-fat yoga instead? What's going on? Let's quickly cover this flop Chuck Nate plotline that's going on. Chuck runs this boys-only weekend called The Lost Weekend where they like drink and party and gamble and shit. What they need to be doing is their homework and having a glass of water and going to bed. Outfit change, but you weren't expecting that. I'm a little bit Lady Gaga House of Gucci right now. I don't consider myself a particularly ethical person, but I am fair. This one is the Dior sweater with the $20 hat from the market, which is very much La Seraphim anti-fragile. Anti-T-T-T, fragile, fragile. And then, of course, I had to put my glasses on. These are Populissimen. We all remember where we were when we first saw this outfit, which is right now. I can't wear the glasses while recording because the focus is like, that's not a person. It's not a person. It's a robot. It's an AI. The sleigh's too much. Like, that can't be real. Anyway, so Lost Weekend, right? There's a new character called Carter Bazin, played by Sebastian Stan. And his whole thing is that he used to be an absolute party boy menace, 
but then went solo traveling and found himself and came back different. At least that's what he's telling everyone. Nate believes it, but Chuck's not buying it. Carter scams Nate at a dodgy poker game and Chuck comes to Nate's rescue. There's also this scene where the lads, lads, lads are playing basketball and Chuck wears this? What the hell is going on here? You look like a cartoon character or something out of a kid's show. Step straight off Sesame Street onto the court. In other news, Eleanor needs someone to be the new face of her label. You know, she needs to update her brand image so that she can appeal to younger demographics. She picks Blair and Blair is so happy about this because not only does she get to be famous in expensive clothes, she also gets her mother's approval. Blair asks Serena to help her with the fashion shoots, but then the photographer tells Eleanor that what they want is Serena not Blair. They're saying that Serena is fun and flowy 2007 vibes, whereas Blair is kind of old world glamour, stinky, dusty old world glamour. And Eleanor eventually agrees. So Serena starts moving to the spotlight again, and once again, Blair is pushed into the shadows, but this time it's at her own mother's request. Blair is understandably jealous and feeling betrayed by Serena, but she initially doesn't know the extent to which Serena was pushed into this by Eleanor. I mean, Serena hasn't really done anything wrong. She was just trying to help Blair with the photo shoot. When Eleanor tells Serena that she's gonna be in the photos, she doesn't tell her that she's replacing Blair, so she doesn't know. And when Eleanor tells Blair that she's going to be replaced by someone else, she doesn't say that it's Serena. So it's just a mess, okay, with a capital M. While this is all happening, we also have Dan and Serena trying to go on a date, but S gets caught up trying to help B with the shoot so she can't meet Dan. They end up coordinating that he will come to the shoot the next day, so he's there when all of this shit goes down. And we actually get a cute little Dan Blair moment. It's when she's upset about being pushed back into the shadows again, and they have a little DNM, a deeper meaningful, in the stairwell. And it's nice, it's cute, because she previously had nothing but nasty things to say about Brooklyn Boy. Serena finds out about the games that Eleanor has been playing and she quits the shoot. She and Blair are like, this model debut should have been fun, right? Wait, it still can be fun. Why don't we steal some of Eleanor's dresses and just run around New York City taking photos? I want to do that. I need to go to New York and when I'm there, I'll see if I've got time in my schedule to meet up with Anna Wintour. I know Anna's watching this and when she saw this outfit, she was like, damn. That's crazy, like he looks so good. Chuck saves Nate at the dodgy poker game with Carter Bazin and pays his debt as well. So when Nate gets home, he's about to transfer the money back to Chuck and he checks. Hold on, why has my account been drained from $200,000 to zero? He calls the accountant, turns out his dad drained it. Hmm. It's weird. It's suspicious even. In episode 5, Dan's trying to impress Serena and he thinks that he needs to boss up and take her out to a really fancy restaurant that matches her ritzy Upper East Side lifestyle. But in reality, what Serena wants is the Dan Humphrey experience. Basically, she just wants to be ratty in Brooklyn with Lonely Boy. There's a scene where Dan shows up at the hotel to pick up Serena and he's in like full glam, right? And Serena's just wearing jeans because she wants to be ratty in Brooklyn and she sees him in full glam. She's like, oh... <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to get changed. Then when they're outside the hotel, she sees a Vespa. She's like, oh my God, I love Vespas. You shouldn't have. And Dan's like, yeah, I shouldn't have because I didn't. We're taking the limo. Serena wanted that Lizzie McGuire moment so badly. It actually reminds me of this one photo of my friend Jake from when we went to Italy in 2011. He's going to kill me for putting this in the video, but I'm going to do it anyway. Every time I see a Vespa, I think of this photo and I remember when we took it and he was like, wait, take a photo and it's going to look like I'm stealing the Vespa. And I feel like it's very Serena core, right? Just jumping on a random Vespa. The other main plotline of this episode is Blair's annual sleepover. Let's do a Gossip Girl voiceover for more information. With Blair's boyfriend, Nate, helping to close up the family yacht for the season, 
Blair is free to focus on the most important event of the fall, her annual sleepover, a tradition since the year 2000, each one more decadent than the last. No expense or reputation is spared. With everything from trundle beds to truffles in place, all that's missing is sleepover star and Waldorf BFF Serena Vanderwoordson. Vanderwoordson, hello? It just doesn't work with the Australian accent, okay? This is how it sounds. All that's missing is sleepover star and Waldorf BFF Serena Vanderwoordson. Like, okay. Serena isn't at the sleepover because she's having date night with Dan. The person chosen to fill Serena's spot at the sleepover? Little Jay, Jenny Humphrey. Jenny arrives expecting a cute little PJ party, but that is absolutely not the vibe. And Blair is on social felon mode and starts peer pressuring Jenny into drinking martinis. They're playing truth or dare, but it's spicier than Jenny thought it would be. Eric is still at the Ostroff Center and he texts Jenny this iconic message, which I use for reaction pics. Blair sees the message and she's like, I dare you to break Eric out of the Ostroff Center. And Jenny does it with the help of Blair, who distracts a receptionist by pretending to be a drug addict. Then they all go to a club and there's finance bros in attendance and there's more dares blah blah now remember how dan and jenny's parents rufus and allison are having marriage troubles rufus calls allison and some random man answers the phone and he's like oh i must have the wrong number and the guy's like oh you after allison i'll just go get her who are you? With Jenny breaking Eric out of the Ofstruff Center, the doctors call Lily and say that a blonde has broken Eric out. So Lily obviously assumes that it's Serena. And of course, Serena doesn't have her phone. So Lily goes to Casa Humphrey to get Dan's number off Rufus. These two find out that Dan and Serena are going to meet up with Jenny and Eric. So it's all fine. Lily's waiting around at the Humphrey apartment. She's like opening up to Rufus. She tells him things like Eric has been staying at the Ostroff Center and the reason why. And they even have dinner together. Hmm, you're getting a little bit close for people who claim to hate each other. The phone rings in the poverty loft. Rufus is like, can you answer it, Lily? Lily answers it. It's Alison. Oopsies. This is an excellent example of something that drives me feral in Gossip Girl. Two tropes that they absolutely love to use. Conveniently bad timing and poor communication making situations worse. They obviously need to manufacture some drama, but like, come on. Also, Lily wears an Hermes belt and I'm pretty sure she has her second Birkin in this episode. Blair's final dare to Jenny is to steal a dress from her mother's store. But it's a setup because Jenny gets into the store, takes the dress off the mannequin, the alarm goes off, the police arrive, Blair and the minions run off. But then, see, this is one of the reasons why I like Jenny because she's resourceful. She goes genius mode, okay? When the police are trying to arrest her and write her up or whatever, she pretends to be Blair and says, I can prove it because I've got keys to the store. I would show you my keys, but I don't have them on me. But I have like a really fun keychain. It's like the Red Velvet birthday mini album. Jenny goes back to Blair's house and Blair is shocked because she didn't think that Jenny would survive the trap. And Blair's like, hold on. Now I see your potential in my squad. Game recognizes game. Also, Dan and Serena have their first kiss in episode five. Annoying recognizes annoying as well, I guess. Like, good for them, but does anyone care? It's so silent. Like, I apologize. I know there's a lot of hashtag Darina fans. Overwatch mug. Not everyone gets it, unfortunately. I got my Overwatch mug tonight. This was during my Widowmaker phase when I would get steamrolled every match. We didn't need to talk about that. Episode six is like, they read my mind about how much I hate the bad timing and poor communication tropes and said, hmm, why don't we make a whole episode like that? There's a masked ball going on, um, the absolute chokehold. 
that a masked ball has on teen drama. Pretty Little Liars season 2 episode 25 outsold though. Nothing will ever compare. So Blair's prepping for the masked ball and she's making new recruit Jenny run errands. Including picking up $16,145 worth of dresses. Me when I walk home to go on and Yoji Yamamoto to the Arias. I know this is getting annoying but you guys don't understand. I got a good photo. I have to use it all the time. It doesn't happen very often. I have to use it. Just wow. Like I looked so good that day. We were all so happy that day. It's actually hard to imagine how terrible things would soon become. I'm of course referring to the unfollow. Anyway, when Jenny picks up the dresses, the guy at the shop loans her a diamond bracelet and he's like, don't even worry, I'll just sneak it onto Blair's tab, she won't notice. Important for later. Now remember Blair is having some issues securing the bag, if the bag is referring to Nate's. Ew. Blair's plan for the ball is to have her ladies give Nate clues throughout the night and he has to follow them. And when he finds Blair, he gets the grand prize and they seal the deal. Uh-oh. Did you guys hear that? What was that? I'm scared, you guys. Everyone take a deep breath. New character alert. Vanessa Abrams. This girl. Why are you looking at me like that? Vanessa is Dan's childhood friend and her whole thing is... I am poor girl, and I hate rich people, and I'm obsessed with Dan Humphrey, and I'm homeschooled filmmaker, and did I mention that I am poor and I hate rich people? I mean, don't get me wrong, I love an underdog, and in any other situation I'd side with that character, but she's just so, like, annoying, and abrasive, and bitter. She gets on this high horse, but she's never had horse riding lessons, so she's just kind of awkwardly standing on the horse. She gets a bit better in season two, but in season one, she's so annoying, oh my god. I don't know if this is controversial to say, but I think if you like Serena, then you like Vanessa, and you like Dan. But if you like Blair, then you like Jenny and you like Lily, but you don't like Vanessa. And Serena's just kind of, eh. I guess what I'm saying is, if you're a Serena and Vanessa stan and a Blair hater, how do you live? Full stop, how do you live? It's weird, like. Also, fun fact, this actress is actually in the Taylor Swift 22 music video. Bet you didn't know that. Where's that ratty little boy? So Vanessa and Dan were Bestina Aguilera's, and then when she moved away, Dan told her that he was in love with her, and she was like, who said that? And she dipped, but now she's back and she's living in the city with her sister. Vanessa's first appearance is at Dan's fire escape window. Annoying, instantly. Like, go through the door, what are you doing? Serena calls Dan to invite him to the masked ball and she can hear Vanessa's voice in the background and she's like, who's that chick? And Dan's like, um, it's Jenny. But see, Jenny is with Blair and Serena. So Serena doesn't end up inviting Dan and Blair's like, you need a hot man to take his place and make him jealous. Which is how we get this glorious screenshot. Chat with Rich Boy 4. Hi Serena, Katie Farkas gave me your address. Yeah, hi. Who's this? Serena does not give a fuck. <laughs> but the question that nobody's asking, where are rich boys one to three? We may never know. And that's the sad and scary thing. So I put that screenshot on my Hinge profile because I thought it was funny. And it made absolutely no noise. It could not have made less noise. Anyway, I'm constantly on and off Hinge. It's just supply and demand. It's economics. The market's readjusting. Anyway, in other news, Nate's weirdo dad is being really skittish. Like a little angry marsupial. And then Nate finds a baggie of cocaine in a book in his dad's office. Nate's like flipping out about this. And he's trying to talk to Blair about it. But she's busy running an empire of minions. Dan reads a Gossip Girl blast about how the minions are helping Serena find a date for the masked ball. And how Dan needs to get off his ass and do something. And he's like, oh my god, maybe I should surprise her at the ball. Let's quickly reiterate what I just said. Dan read a Gossip Girl post post that contained information that he didn't already know. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Oh yeah. Come on, Maurizio Gucci. Entity TT fragile. Fra Wait, I should be using this microphone to do K-pop performances. 
Hold on. Vanessa's trying to make dinner plans with Dan. He's like, I can't, Vanessa. I need to stay in and do my paper. But he's actually going to the ball. But little does Lonely Boy know that Vanessa is actually helping Jenny sneak into the ball. And while doing so, Vanessa catches Dan kissing Serena. Mess. Turns out Vanessa came back with feelings for Dan and now he's got this rich supermodel girlfriend. Vanessa stands are kind of fighting for their lives right now. So we're at the masked ball and Jenny's in disguise, right? Chuck doesn't recognize that Jenny is Jenny and he tries to put the moves on this new girl. Jenny goes girl boss mode and tricks Chuck into being stuck on the rooftop in his underwear. Mmm, the sweet flavors of payback. Nate's trying to find Serena and he sees a blonde girl go into the bathroom and he thinks it's Serena, but it's actually little Jay in disguise. So Nate thinks Jenny is Serena and he tells her that he still has feelings for her and that he wants to break up with Blair so that he can be with her. Jenny's collecting intel left, right and centre and she doesn't even have to try, like it just comes to her. Jenny's like, what the fuck is going on? And she tries to leave, run out of the party, runs past Blair. Blair thinks that she's Serena, grabs her arm, the diamond bracelet falls off. Blair's like... What the fuck? Jenny was here. So now Blair knows that Jenny snuck into the party. My favorite thing about this episode is how everyone thinks that Jenny is Serena when she looks nothing like her. Even Dan thinks that Jenny is Serena. Like, let's be serious. Eleanor has this Morocco themed party and Lily invites Rufus and she says that she's inviting him because there's going to be some high roller clients there so he could maybe sell some art. But she also wants to make Bart Bass jealous and Rufus is like, well, I know how I can help you do that. And he kisses her. Smooch, smooch, smooch. Uh-oh, the kiss has real feelings. PR disasters left and right for the Humphreys right now. Nate's mother finds the cocaine bag. She starts going nuclear at him because she thinks that it's his, which it's not. Nate's dad's there as well and he's not saying nothing. Father of the year right there. And all this is happening while Happy Ending by Mika is playing. Ugh. Dan goes home after the ball and Flop Nessa is in the loft. Hashtag go home Vanessa. And they start eating pierogies and they're just chatting and they make up and they're friends again. And he's telling Vanessa about Serena. Episode seven, I would say, is one of the best episodes of the season. Have you heard Upper East Siders? Burlesque is all the rage again. And sometimes a little raging is exactly what you need. And as always, Chuck's aiming to be ahead of the curves. Basically, Chuck's made this business plan and is proposing that his dad buy this strip club forward slash burlesque bar called Victrola and Chuck's trying to impress his dad. On his way into Bart's office to show him the proposal, Chuck walks in on Bart kissing Lily, which is tea because Lily hasn't told Eric and Serena that she's dating Bart Bass yet. Initially, Bart's really impressed with Chuck because he's finally wanting to be serious. But then he sees Chuck being his classic sleazy rat self at Victrola and he's like, Get a job, Flop. Blair tells Jenny that she knows about the diamond bracelet and the masked ball infiltration. She says she hates secrets. So if they're going to be friends, then they can't have any secrets. Nate pulls Jenny aside and he's like, oh, um, I didn't mean whatever I said to you when I thought you were Serena. But Jenny's all caught up about it because Blair just told her that she hates secrets. So Jenny goes and tells Blair about what happened. Blair gets super upset at the news and she lashes out at Jenny. Dan and Serena are super H-word right now. They need to get a room basically, and they're trying, they're trying to use the Humphrey loft, but then Vanessa climbs through the goddamn window. If you don't learn how to use a door, Caroline Polachek open a door to another door to another door like it's not that hard. Dan and Vanessa are such a weird dynamic. Vanessa's like, if it were me with you, I'd like you to, girl, shut the fuck up. And that's right after she says, I'm sure Serena knows what to do with all her experience. You nasty, nasty girl. It's jealousy, innit? Post Kendall Jenner baggy gate, Nate's dad's like, oh, I was offered a bump and I tried it, but I didn't like it. So I'm going to throw it away. It was all a lie. Nate sees how doing a drag deal and tells it, 
drag deal. Drag queen. Nate sees Howard doing a drug deal after he supposedly stopped doing cocaine and he tells his mum and the mum is a mess. She's like, it's all your fault. He's all stressed out after your shenanigans with Blair and Dot Mouth. That night, the Waldorfs are at the Archibalds and they're like celebrating the deal or talking about the deal or whatever. Howard's acting like an angry little marsupial again. So Nate takes him outside and confronts him and Howard punches Nate in the face. The police turn up. Nate tells them to check Howard's pockets. They do. They find the cocaine. He gets arrested. Blair sees all this happening from the window. She's like, why didn't you tell me that any of this was happening? And he was like, babes, I tried, but you're too busy running your minion empire. And then Blair brings up the masked, bold, Jenny, Serena, Nate love confession. And you guys... It's looking bad for BNN. They're done. Nate's mum gets a call from the police and Howard's bail has been set at $1 million. Which seems a bit high for drug possession charges, but it turns out the DA has been building a case against Howard for embezzlement and fraud. Blair goes to Chuck's new burlesque bar, Victrola, because she wants to let loose. She doesn't want to talk about the breakup. She just wants to dance. So she does that. Blair gets on stage with the other dancers and does a strip tease. Everyone at Victrola, including Chuck, is like, ooh. And I'm just like... That girl is 16, exclamation mark, question mark. Oh my God. And then Chuck takes Blair home in his limo and he's like, you were amazing up there. She was like, thank you. And then they have sex in the limo. That is a big, 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 big Gossip Girl moment. Like OMG, G, oh my Gossip Girl. Episode eight is Blair's 17th birthday and she could not be further in the trenches. Her relationship with Nate is over and she just had sex with demon Chuck in the back of a limo. I would say she's about 30% yes, 70% disgusted at the fact that happened. She hasn't told anyone that her and Nate are over and she definitely hasn't told anyone that she got with Chuck. Some key info to remember here is that Chuck and Nate are best friends. Jenny has made the executive decision to bring Allison from Hudson to Brooklyn so that Allison and Rufus can resolve their issues and get back together. Jenny wants them to work things out so badly, but Dan can see that it's just probably going to end in divorce, babe. I mean, Mother Dearest was living with some random man in Hudson, like it's not looking good. Dan's also mad at Allison for dropping everything, including her kids, and going to Hudson with no sign of returning. Which is fair, because like, you're a mother. Allison and Rufus have a big chat and she admits to doing shit with a random man in Hudson, but she also says that her entire adult life had revolved around supporting Rufus as a musician. I mean, they do a leap of black, pink, kiss and make up, but I don't know. The end is nigh. Howard's bail has been paid by Nate's mother, Anne. Key info here is that the wealth in Nate's family comes from his mum's side because she's a Vanderbilt. See, but now Howard and Anne are in mega panic mode because the fraud and embezzlement charges and the arrest and everything have fucked up the Waldorf deal. They're like, hey, Nate, why don't you give Blair this very expensive heirloom ring so that we can secure Eleanor's loyalty? Nate's like, we just broke up. And they're like, Still get back together then. So Nate calls Blair and he's like, maybe we were being too hasty. And Blair is just celebrating on the other end of the line because she wants to get back with Nate to forget her Chuck Limo PR disaster. Now it's time for Blair's birthday party, BB day party. Where is Serena? Let's like pick a card. (laughs) Pick a card, any card. Wait, oh my God, this is so fun. I'm going to give you a reading. Okay. The first one that I pick is who you're dating. You are dating... Lily Vanderwoodson. The next one I pick is your ex. Your ex is Blair. This is very complicated. What should we do next? This one you murdered and Annalise Keating is helping you get away with it. Oh, what? Why'd you murder Eric specifically? Hmm. And for the last one, this is the person that you cheat on Lily with, you piece of shit. Chuck. Okay. So we're at BB Day party and Serena invites Dan 
and Dan invites Vanessa because he wants Vanessa and Serena to get along. As a bonding activity, Serena and Vanessa play Guitar Hero. This scene is so funny to me because it's so fucking random. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, Serena's shredding on Guitar Hero, and for what? Like, Gurley wasn't even looking at the screen. But then drama strikes at Guitar Hero. Vanessa suggests that Dan had a bad day, and Serena's like, Dan had a bad day? Turns out, Dan did not tell his girlfriend about the Mother Dearest Allison drama, but told window climber Vanessa, so Serena's pissed off. Outside the party, Nate runs into Jenny. Oh my god, where are they? Jenny doesn't know if she wants to go in, because Blair recently blew up at her when she told Blair about Nate. And Nate's got so much going on with his family that he doesn't want to go into the party either. So Nate's like, do you want to go for a walk? Can I pull you for a chat? Jenny's like, yeah babe. They chat about their issues, their friends, it's good vibes. Jenny gets up to leave and they hug, but someone snaps the hug and sends it to Gossip Girl. Remember Gossip Girl? Yeah, she hasn't really made an impact in a few episodes. When the blast goes out, you can just see Nate hugging someone. You can't tell that it's Jenny. And when Blair sees it at the party, she finally tells everyone that her and Nate are over. Blair's super upset, and then Chuck comes to comfort her and gives her this fuck-off huge diamond necklace for her birthday. They're talking, 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 and then they hook up again. But this time, Serena sees it. Three things of note from this episode. There's a random Britney Spears VMAs reference when Vanessa beats Serena at Guitar Hero. You went down nearly as hard as Britney at the VMAs, and I think that's referencing the 2007 Gimme More VMAs performance. Next thing, Blair looks so good in this outfit. I think this actually might be one of my favourite Blair outfits. And last thing, there's anime playing on the projector at Blair's party, and I think that's very slay-coded. Episode 9 is excellent, and I can't wait to talk about it, but just quick side note, do you want to play chess? Or more accurately, do you want to lose chess? I wrote in my notes for this episode, everyone did great performances, so I think that means the actors were acting. The episode's called Blair Waldorf Must Pie, and it's about Thanksgiving. Now, one thing about Gossip Girl is that they're going to absolutely devour a Thanksgiving episode and a dinner party scene. Oh my god, I can't wait to talk about the season three, mm, what you say, Thanksgiving meal, and the season two Flowrider dinner party. The episode starts with Promiscuous by Nelly Furtado and Timberland playing over archival footage of drunk Serena on Thanksgiving last year. She's running around New York City being a menace and Blair's trying to restrain her. This flashback is so lost season two because we have Serena walking in front of a car and she's saved by Dan, but then present day Serena doesn't remember their paths crossing like that. Side note, I've been listening to a lot of Timberland, especially that 2006 to 2008 period when Gossip Girl season one came out. And that man is a genius. Justin Timberlake, Future Sex Love Sounds, Nelly Furtado, Loose, Pussycat Dolls, Wait a Minute, Kanye West Graduation, Rihanna, Good Girl Gone Bad, his own singles like Apologize, The Way I Are, Scream and Give It To Me, and he even worked on Four Minutes from Madonna. Like, sorry, that list is outrageous, and that's only over a two-year period. We've also already had three Timberland songs in the soundtrack by this point. Also in flashbacks, we see the Waldorf Thanksgiving, and there's a male model named Roman in attendance, and we can also see Blair and Nate taking care of drunk Serena. It's obvious that Thanksgiving with her dad is a big deal for Blair, and it's also obvious that Serena and Nate have, like, flirty vibes. In the present day, Serena goes to Casa Waldorf, where Blair is prepping for her father's arrival from Paris. Serena quizzes Blair about Nate and Chuck, saying that she saw Blair and Chuck together, and then Blair and Serena have a Toronto International Film Festival, a tiff if you will, and Blair uninvites the Vanderwoodsons from Thanksgiving. Also, this is so bad for you. That's Checkmate.
What are you doing? I would appreciate it if you played properly. It's okay, we can just play again. Eleanor tells Blair that Harold isn't coming to Thanksgiving and Blair is screaming, crying, collapsing, like the buildings in the water at the end of Inception. She goes to the brunch, but she's super upset and she confronts Eleanor about Harold not being there. And then she takes a whole apple pie to the kitchen and eats it all while there's flashbacks of her binging and purging. Meanwhile, Serena, Eric and Lily are Miss Juicy Baby. What the hell are we gonna do now? But then Dan calls and he says, come to the Humphrey Thanksgiving at the Poverty Lot. So they go to Brooklyn, Dan, Jenny, Rufus and Allison are there. It's extremely awkward because Rufus and Lily have history and Allison very clearly does not like Lily, but the kids don't know anything about what's going on. Serena gets a call from Blair and she can tell that something bad's going on with Blair's ED, so Serena leaves. Jenny and Lily are talking and Jenny's like, you lived on a horse ranch or something? Were you a horse girl? And Lily's like, well, yes, I was a horse girl. Actually, I had a horse named Rosewood. And Dan and Jenny are like, now hold on. Our dad has a song called Rosewood and it's about our mum's perfume. That's so crazy. And Allison's just sitting there. She's like, oh my fucking God. <laughs> the past comes to light and everyone's like, what the fuck? Serena finds Blair purging in the bathroom. She's like, all right, I gotta get you out of here. Serena can sometimes be a really good friend. Sometimes. She brings Blair to the poverty loft where Dan, Jenny and Eric fill them in on the reveal that just went down. Serena and Dan are weirded out because they're dating and they just found out that their parents dated as well. If they think that's rough, Oh, it's going to get bad for them. While this is all happening, Nate is at absolute rock bottom. His dad, Howard, ODs on pills and in the hospital, Anne is like full on spiraling. She's like, do not blame this on me. All I've done is trying to make his life easier. My family paid for everything. I mean, it's just bad all round. Also on the Archibalds, in this episode, we see a different angle inside their house. And a few weeks ago, I saw a TikTok about how good the house selection for the Archibald slash Vanderbilt house is in terms of showing their wealth. But yeah, anyway, the screenshots that they use in that are from this episode. When Blair gets home, Eleanor apologizes to her and tells her that Harold sent her divorce papers and she didn't know how to react, which is why she uninvited Harold from Thanksgiving, which is why he wasn't there. Time for episode 10. Also, do you want to play another game? Yes, cool. Sounds good. Allison has set an ultimatum for Rufus. She's like, kick Lily out of your life if you want me to come back into it. She wants to be that girl so badly, but she would never be that girl. Lily Vanderwoodson is that girl. I'm sorry, but I just cannot get mad at Lily. Try not to say mother challenge failed. Speaking of Queen Lily, she has another Birkin in this episode. Hey Upper East Siders, it's that time of the year again, when the mere act of descending a staircase means you're a woman. And from what we hear, there's been some changes to the lineup. That's a pretty good summary. It's the cotillion ball and Serenor doesn't want to go, but she's being guilted into it by her grandmother Cece Rhodes. Cece's lying and playing the fake cancer card, or so we think, but then it turns out she actually is sick. Cece is monstrous in season one. She's like high society feral grandma. She hates Dan because he's poor. She hated Rufus because he was poor rock star man and she forced Lily to break up with him all those years ago. She's a generational trauma machine and she is confrontational. Also, that's checkmate. Like, I think I know what you were trying to do. Just weird execution. I feel like you need to practice some more before you play me again because some of the choices that you're making are really weird. But whatever, we'll play another one. But yeah, Cece's super confrontational. She tells Dan to his face that he sucks and he'll never get Serena. Does that sound like something you want? Because he's never going to get it. And back in the day, she told Lily, drop your poor, hot, flop star guitar hero boyfriend or you won't get your inheritance. I mean, like, rich people are kind of a lot. But also, that plotline is so good. Cece even goes to Rufus's gallery and offers to buy all the art in exchange for Dan not going to the cotillion bowl with Serena. And then at the end of the episode, when Rufus calls Lily, having found out from Cece why their relationship ended, he's saying that he shouldn't have let her go and apologised by Timberland is playing in the background. It's just so... Good. So let's back up a little bit. Jenny's obsessed with the idea of the cotillion, but Dan's like, ew, boo. 
outdated classist rich people activity. Their mum has an art show the same night and her and Jenny have a little bit of a falling out. But Jenny wins the I don't give a fuck war and illegally goes to the cotillion with the intention of making it back to the art show in time. And while yes, I am a Jenny nader and I align myself with her say anything, do anything bullshit, she is a nasty piece of work in this episode. Her mum thrifts some stuff including some vintage heels for Jenny because she knows little Jay likes fashion and Jenny's like ew poor the girls at my school wear new stuff, not someone else's old shoes. There's a scene where Nate goes to visit Blair to try and win her back, and he has this sweater she gave him with a heart sewn into the sleeve because she always wanted him to have her heart on his sleeve. Get fucked. That is the cutest shit I've ever seen. If I give someone a jumper with a heart pendant on it, it is game fucking over. So Nate talks to Blair and he's like, something's going on here. So Nate tells Chuck that he thinks that Blair is messing around with someone else and can Chuck get to the bottom of it? It's obviously Chuck, so Chuck fabricates evidence that it's Carter Bazin, who has returned in this episode as Serena's escort to the Cotillion since Cece has decided that Dan isn't high society enough. Chuck sends this fake Carter Bazin evidence to tips at gossipgirl.net. So I went to gossipgirl.net and it redirects to the Gossip Girl Facebook page. Now that is what you call excellent marketing. Can we get some claps for the Gossip Girl marketing? team. So Serena, Blair, Carter, Chuck and Nate are at the cotillion and they're doing rich people shit. They're dancing with live music, ooh la la. Hang on. Is that the Pierces singing Secret? The song from the Pretty Little Liars intro? Got a secret, can you keep it? Swear this one you'll save. Better lock it in your pocket, taking this one to the grave. Full body chills. My brain took a screenshot. I swear my heart stopped for five seconds. That song is a Pavlov's dog situation for me. Like, I'm classically conditioned that when I hear it, I just start foaming at the mouth going rabid. Oh my god, sorry, it's my turn. Sorry, guys. Since Chuck told Nate that Carter Basin's the one with Blair and Nate already hates Carter because he tried to scam him at the dodgy poker game, Nate attacks Carter at the cotillion. In the middle of the brawl, Blair's dress gets ripped. She grabs Jenny, who's leaving to make it to her mum's art show on time. She says, if you fix this dress, all is forgiven. So Jenny does. She picks Blair over her mum. She's like, hmm, my society climbing mission, my society hike, if you will, or my mum. Babes, let's go hiking. That's a big decision and super messy. When Jenny finally makes it to Brooklyn and to the finished art show, her mum says, you need to look at yourself and ask if you like the person you're becoming. That quote is a big one because it applies to pretty much all of Jenny's future actions in the show. She kind of has this constant struggle of trying to become something more without sacrificing who she was before. Also, girl, you're in trouble. Blair finds out that Chuck ruined the event for his own agenda by starting the ship between Nate and Carter. So Blair's like, you're a turd. I'm done with you, goodbye. Later on, Chuck sees Blair and Nate kissing and going into a room where B and N do the nasty. Dan infiltrates the cotillion against Cece's laws and when the truth comes out and Cece's actions are exposed, Lily sees all of it go down and she tells Dan that he really is the right guy for Serena. Boring. This is so embarrassing for you. Checkmate. Again. I got you there. Bang. You go there, bang. That's it, no more chess. I feel like you're not trying hard enough. I felt like episode 10 had mid-season finale vibes, so I looked it up, and it wasn't the mid-season finale, but there was like lots of weird breaks in between episodes, like two or three weeks. There was a two-week break between 10 and 11, two-week break between 11 and 12, and then three months between 13 and 14. So then I was like, wait a minute. End of 2007. Did somebody say... Writer's Strike? Season 1 was supposed to have 22 episodes, but only 13 were produced before the Writer's Strike, and then we come back three months later with a shorter run of 18 episodes. So when the strike happened in November, 
the network had to spread out the episodes that were completed, which is why we have the random two, three week gaps in episodes between November 2007 and January 2008. Do you even care? I do. I care. Now, we actually had three fashion moments of note from this episode. This preppy serve from Jenny, this rich girl LG chocolate moment from Blair, and also from Blair, this cotillion serve. But those are nothing compared to this next one from episode 11, which is one of my favorite outfits of the entire season. This is Blair's ice skating outfit. I mean, come on. Beyond legendary. When the theme for the 2024 Met Gala is Blair Waldorf and I wear that, what then? People would collapse on the streets all over the world all at once if I did that. Honorable mention to Eleanor's outfit. Now on the subject of fashion, we have to talk about Vanessa. The range of serve with this one is simply gargantuan. She routinely turns out the most rancid outfits I've ever seen, but then suddenly turn up in something cool and Depop Y2K NYC flip phone Nelly Furtado Timberland fingerless glove it girl like this. She's just so menacing in that you have no idea what she's going to turn up in next. In episode 11, we have Jenny's next singing adventure this time the Constance Choir is singing Santa Baby which is a perfect opportunity for me to mention that Taylor Momsen who plays Jenny also played Cindy Lou Who in How the Grinch Stole Christmas she's also the lead singer of The Pretty Reckless she is iconic Blair's dad Harold is back in New York for Christmas and Blair is so excited remember the whole Thanksgiving disaster and she's going to try and use Christmas to convince him to stay in New York City but uh oh Harold has brought his French model boyfriend Roman the one that he's divorcing Eleanor for cue ice skating scene and iconic outfits and then Blair trips Roman on the ice and he breaks his leg. That is so Scream Queen's Chanel. I feel like Ryan Murphy absolutely had Blair Waldorf as one of his reference points when he was coming up with Chanel Oberlin. How do we feel about the hat transformation? Anti-fragile. Anti-fragile. There's more moments of Blair lashing out against Roman, but it all culminates in her telling Harold that she's being a menace because she's worried that there's no room for her in his life anymore. And he's like, don't even stress. Do not stress. Do not fret. There'll always be room, even literal physical room, because look at this house that we just bought in France. You have a room. Serena and Dan have this plotline where she wants to give him the perfect Christmas gift and she gives him a really expensive watch and he's like, ew, no, $50 max. So she's running around town trying to find something and ends up getting help from Vanessa. She makes this like fake snow picnic thing in the art gallery and then Serena and Dan end up banging for the first time. There is, however, a scene from this plotline that I like. Vanessa, Eric, and Jenny are helping Serena arts and craftsify Dan's present. Blair's there as well, and she sees Vanessa, and she pulls her aside. And Blair says to Vanessa, you like Dan too much, and I'm keeping an eye on you. See, the thing about B&S, when they're not having a turf war, they ride or die for each other. Vanessa's gift to Dan is his story being published in The New Yorker, and Serena's like you bitch. That's such a good present. Serena's a bit upset about it, but then Dan gives her a copy of the story, which is called 10-0805, and he tells her it's about the first time that he met her. Get a job. Lily tells Serena and Eric that she wants to take the... That's not Lily. Lily tells Serena and Eric that she wants to take them for dessert. And Serena says, Mom, anytime you say it'll just be the three of us, it means you're dating someone new. Whoever it is, I don't care. I'll just meet him at the wedding. Savage. But she's right though. Lily tells them that she's dating Bart and they're like, oh, you better be fucking lying. And she's like, oh, no, it's chill though. Like, it's not like we're going to get married anytime soon. Famous last words. The next day when Serena and Erica are opening Christmas presents with Lily and Bart, Lily's phone rings and it's Rufus, but she doesn't know that yet. Rufus calling I. But Bart's like, don't answer that. You don't want to miss this. <laughs> this is important. And then he proposes to her. So by saying she wasn't going to get married anytime soon, Lily got married. Oh my God, I'm not going to be in a relationship anytime soon. 
Who was ringing Lily? Rufus, the naked mole rat from Kim Possible. Rufus is outside the hotel, leaving a voicemail for Lily saying that he's leaving Allison and he misses Lily. Oh lord. I feel like the Gossip Girl writers need prison a little bit for this constant timing torture shit. Also very important for Christmas Blair gifts icon Dorota a Blackberry. Episode 12 is a little bit filler vibes, but it's also hard to classify what filler is in Gossip Girl. Basically, the episode is about an after hours party at the school pool where someone nearly dies and all the resulting drama coming from the headmistress threatening to expel everyone unless she finds the person who had the key to the pool and initiated the party. When the kid hits his head and falls in the pool and there's blood everywhere and everyone's screaming and the editing makes it look like he died. It reminded me specifically of Real Housewives of Melbourne season 4 when Janet Roach has a fall in Mexico because she had too much tequila. <laughs> I can't laugh too much. But the editing of the promo made it look like one of the other housewives murdered. <laughs> well, someone's my mate. I don't do that. What do you want? You want blood? blood? So, so, so iconic. Serena, Blair, Chuck and Nate are at this pool party. Serena calls her boring boyfriend Dan to come to the party as well. Dan's hanging out with Vanessa at the poverty loft so they both decide to go. Vanessa has her camcorder out and she's filming everyone for this documentary that she's working on. Oh my god. So then she has footage of this party. Just because you want to make a documentary doesn't mean you have permission to film people and then act all high and mighty when they want the footage back. Lord, that girl. Also, because Blair dropped Chuck after the cotillion boy and got back with Nate. Chuck is threatening to tell Nate about how Blair lost her virginity to him and then faked it for Nate. So Chuck is blackmailing Blair to make her avoid Nate. So blah, 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 the near death happens. The headmistress gets onto it the next day. Blair tells everyone, if we all stay quiet, no one will get in trouble. Dan's like, um, no. I'm not rich like you guys. I can't get in trouble. So he's already giving snitch vibes. And then Rufus finds out about the party and he's like, Dan, you gotta snitch. I gotta put me first, Lucius. Blair has a homework party and Dan and Vanessa are there and she has that bloody camcorder out again. And she secretly records Blair and Chuck talking about their situationship. Blair and Chuck find out they both want the tape. Vanessa says that she needs this tape for a documentary competition that she has to win so she can pay her rent. Rent? Girl, aren't you 16 and homeschooled and living with your sister? What's going on? Chuck gives her $10,000 in exchange for the tape, but it turns out she gave Chuck a fake tape and she gave the real tape to Blair, citing girl code. In exchange, Blair turns up to the cafe Vanessa works at and tells her that she's paid her rent for an entire year? Like, excuse me, that is huge. And Vanessa's like, oh, cool, thank you. She also says that she used Chuck's $10,000 to create a medical grant for teens with genital herpes in his name. Okay. Everything she does annoys me. Like, just donate the $10,000. Why'd you have to do all that? How did you even do that? Also, in terms of who had the key to the pool, everyone thought that it was Chuck, but then Nate finds the key in Blair's room and goes and confesses to owning it so that he can cover Blair. But it wasn't him or Blair. It was actually Serena. Actually, my name's Serena. She doesn't get expelled or anything. She just has to do like 25 hours of community service. Nepo babies, am I right? Lily tells Rufus that Bart proposed and she's going to say yes. And she says that she got his voicemail, but it was too late. But also Rufus keeps flip-flopping. So does he even know what he wants? Rufus tells Lily that he loves her. She's like, wait, mother undearest Cece isn't around to meddle. You know what? Hmm, maybe there's merit to these claims. Let me think about this. But then Serena's like, mom, I love Dan so much. We're going to be together forever. Ever. And you cannot get back together with Rufus because it will ruin my life. I can't date Dan if you're dating his dad. So Lily drops Rufus and accepts Bart's proposal for the sake of Serena and Dan's relationship. Oh my god. As a Lily-nator, that hurt. 
Let my best friend Lily chase her man. Some observations. Chuck calls Dan Humphrey Dumpty. He gets points for that, but also Chuck gives me smelly breath vibes. Like he's always just like leaning in and leering. Like he gives me Randall from Monsters Inc. vibes. Chuck and Nate have slept with Blair. Serena and Blair have slept with Nate, and Dan and Nate have slept with Serena. It's honestly a bloody Penrose triangle. How we already at optical illusion levels of relationships and it's only episode 12. The title of episode 13 is A Thin Line Between Chuck and Nate, which is a play on A Thin Line Between Love and Hate from 1996. And I just know the writers were Alyssa Edwards in the writers room coming up with these. Huh. Oh my gosh, I can't do it, I'm gonna have to rewrite it. The next one's even better, but no spoilers. What's the difference between gossip and scandal? So glad you asked, UES Forever. Anyone can commit a minor indiscretion and generate a day's worth of buzz, but in order for gossip to birth a true scandal, it requires the right person to be in the wrong place. Take one it girl on a pedestal, at a crowd eager to see her fall and give them the means to knock her down. This episode centers around a pregnancy test. Someone spots Serena buying a pregnancy test, sends the picture to Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl blasts it all over the Upper East Side. Dan's like grappling with the possibility that Serena might be pregnant, but it turns out S bought the test for B. B doesn't want to take the test and S is stressing about it, so she tells Dan about this situation over dinner at the Poverty Loft. Dan's doing the maths on the timing and he's like, how does a sponge plus a starfish equal a shell? Like. Aren't Blair and Nate just freshly back together? Serena tells Dan that Blair slept with Chuck, but uh-oh, Jenny overheard the entire conversation. Jump scare, this random lady looks like Candy Jenny. Serena goes to Chuck and she's like, you need to make Blair take this test. And he's like, uh, no. That's a Blair and Nate problem. They slept together. Which is news to Serena. So she goes to ask Blair why she didn't tell her that she slept with Nate after S took the brunt of this pregnancy test press. But then Blair just gets mad because Serena told Chuck about the pregnancy test. Blair finally takes the test. She's not pregnant. The S&B mini war is over and they're friends again. The velocity with which these two have wars and then resolve their issues. Outside school, Chuck stops Blair to talk to her. She's like, leave me alone, flop. I don't want to talk to you. Chuck gets mad and sends a tip to Gossip Girl that Blair slept with two different guys in the same week, which is how we get this e-blast. E-blast 318, Queen Blair. Looks like the Virgin Queen isn't as pure as she pretended to be. If Blair Waldorf lied about that, then what else might she be lying about? Who's your daddy, B? Baby daddy, that is. Um, I'm sorry. Can we just zoom and enhance quickly? Who the fuck is that? Because that is absolutely not Leighton Meester. I literally don't know who this random lady is. We've never seen her before. Has anyone seen this woman? Also, I was laughing at gossip girl underscore one. There's a plot line where Dan gets a bit weird because he wants to tell Serena that he loves her, but then she drops her piece of paper on the floor and some random guy picks it up and she's like, thank you, love you. And Dan's like, <laughs> wait, thank you, love you. She's deaf, you bitch. Okay, thank you. Outfit change, Nate Archibald, St. Jude's core. You get it. It's a Burberry jacket, Croatian tie, broken watch situation. Anyway, Nate sees this Gossip Girl blast and he's like, whatever, major loser, it's not true. But then Jenny, who's in not like other girls mode, and she's pissed off at Blair for not wanting to be friends with her and for snapping at her when she tried to tell her about the Nate mask ball confessional. Jenny tells Nate, it's all true. Everything you read, it's all true. Mess, 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 mess. First four letters of my last name, like it's serious. Nate starts a street fighter battle with Chuck. Finish him. And then he goes home and breaks up with Blair saying, Jenny confirmed that it was true. Blair is in fucking shambles. She's like, Serena, did you tell Nate? No, no, I have to go. I have to, 
I have to go. No, I told Dan because I didn't know how to help you. Then your low rent boyfriend, she actually says that, must have told his rat girl sister. Oh, she's mad. If she could swear in this show, she'd be like, fuck you, Serena. Fuck your crusty boyfriend, Dan, and his little rat sister, Jenny. So now the BNS war has restarted. Will we ever know peace? There's a scene around here that I love. All the girls are on the Met steps and Hazel, Penelope, Katie, and Iz turn on Blair saying, you're not in a position to lead because you've just lost your street cred after the Blair blast. The girls all walk away and Jenny's there too. And Blair says to Jenny, I'll probably never forgive you for telling Nate, but if you walk away now, I'll ruin you. And Jenny says, How are you gonna do that? The girls are fighting. But see, the thing is, Blair Waldorf is about her business and a promise is a promise. Blair's not walking around making proms. What's a prom? Half a promise. If I was little Jay, I would watch out. So now Blair has no one and she goes to Chuck and she says, you did it. You won. I have no one but you. And he says, I don't want you anymore. I don't like that you're no longer Veronica's untouched. He literally says to Blair, you held a fascination when you were beautiful, delicate and untouched. But now you're like one of the horses my father used to own. Rode hard and put away wet. What the fuck? Chuck Bass sleeps with any woman that looks at him and he has the audacity to say that? He's the actual worst. I feel like when people watch this show, they have a recency bias and they're like, yes, Chuck, oh my God, Chuck and Blair, hashtag chair. Because what happens is the writers introduce characters that are worse than Chuck, which makes Chuck look good in comparison. So then people forget all the fucked up shit that he's done and said. Meanwhile, there's a crack in hashtag Darina. All the I love you bullshit. And then also Serena asking Dan if he told Jenny about Blair and Chuck and that she doesn't immediately believe him when he says no. Trust issues through the roof, through my roof, into my neighbor's apartment upstairs who's having a party. Tell me why you're having a party at 1pm on a Thursday. Do you not have jobs? Serena's not sure why she's spiraling over the fact that Dan says I love you to her. So she talks to Eric about it and he suggests that maybe it's because their mother Lily has married and divorced all 732,000 men that have said I love you to her. So by the end of episode 13, Blair's entire world is fucked. And she's like, fuck this, I'm going to France. She's literally on the tarmac with Happily Never After by the Pussycat Dolls playing. And Serena turns up saying, don't let a scandal make you run away like what happened to me. Stay in New York, we can do it together. Very much mid-season finale vibes, which makes sense because this was the last episode before the writer's strike hit. We then have that three-month break and we get these excellent mid-season posters. A rogue three-month break. Hmm, how are we going to remind everyone that this show is about the scandalous lives of Manhattan's elite? Sex sells, baby! Now we know the events that these are from. Blair losing her virginity to Chuck in the limo and Serena hooking up with Nate at the wedding before going to boarding school. Time for an outrageously iconic episode title, The Blair Bitch Project. Blair has a breakfast at Tiffany's Nightmare. Everyone's back from spring break and the Vanderwoodsons are now living with the Basses and Serena fucking hates it because Chuck is a sleeve. For example, he won't stop smoking in her bathroom and she's like, bye, I'm not having a shower. I'm not doing it. Jenny has been social climbing and integrating with Penelope, Hazel and Iz, but she has to keep selling her possessions like her prized sewing machine for cash. She's scamming and lying, avoiding paying for things so that she can keep up the illusion that she belongs with them. Blair doesn't want to go back to school, citing her recent PR disaster. And Serena's like, oh, it's going to be fine. But when Blair gets to school, Jenny and the minions drop yogurt on Blair's head. Nate pulls Jenny aside and he's like, you need to be careful with those girls because they will chew you up and spit you out in a second like they did with Blair. I like Jenny and Nate's relationship in season one. Like they look out for each other. She listened to him talk about his family problems and he's helping her navigate these like high society circles. Blair's like, what the fuck's going on? Like, what am I supposed to do to make these people like me? Serena tells her, you need to be nicer. Compliment my hair. Tell me it looks beautiful. But 
your hair looks disgusting. She's so real. And that's the problem. Jenny et al. hatch a plan to invite Blair to dinner, but then don't turn up to humiliate her and instead go to Hazel's house and have a kiki and a giggle about it. But then things take a turn. Jenny's stressing because she doesn't have any new clothes to wear, especially for her upcoming 15th birthday. Jenny goes to Hazel's mother's closet, steals a dress, takes it to a consignment store and trades it for a $1,200 Dolce & Gabbana dress. This lady stole $700 out of my wallet. Then she stole $4,500 out of Scott's. Then my security who's here today said that he's seen her two times with her flashlight on in the office. I actually love Jenny's high society felon era. She's so Robin Hood, but instead of taking from the rich and giving to the poor, she just takes from the rich and gives to herself. The next day, Hazel is in shambles because her mother's $15,000 custom Valentino dress has been stolen. So Jenny's fucked, basically. She goes back to the store to try and retrade and get the dress back, but the owner's like, no flop. Your mistake is not my problem. Jenny's like, I don't know what to do. So she calls Nate. She's like, can I borrow $8,000 to buy this dress? Actually, don't worry about it. Hangs up on him. Goes back into the store. Tries to re-steal the dress by putting it on under her jacket. Meanwhile, Blair is on Boss Babe revenge mode. Blair goes to the poverty loft looking for Rufus. And she's like, Jenny's struggling to juggle her old self and her new self. And I can help her. Rufus, you idiot. It's a trap. Blair organizes a deliberately cringe surprise birthday party for Jenny at the poverty loft. And she invites the rich bitches. And they're like, ew. Why are we in a poverty penthouse in Brooklyn? And why is there a cake with Jenny's face on it? This is so embarrassing. But then Jenny comes home wearing the stolen Valentino dress because she wasn't aware of the surprise party and they all see her wearing the stolen dress. Oh my Lord. Blair's like, well, my job is done. I'm leaving. Um, I've got a table at Butter if anyone else wants to come with. And the minions do. Blair has regained power. Operation Topple Jenny was a success. But see, Jenny's not going down without a fight. She sneaks out to meet Nate and asks him for a favor. See, Penelope, one of the minions, is obsessed with Nate. So Jenny's like, hey, will you come to Butter with me? And he's like, yeah, okay, sure. So she pulls up to the restaurant with Nate and the minions are like, oh my God, she brought Nate? Isn't it so crazy how Hazel's mum just misplaced that dress? That's so crazy. That was a good fast play by little Jay. Like she recognised that her stocks were down and she had to do something quick to raise the stock price and keep her investors happy. Serena starts getting these feral little gifts and she thinks it's Chuck, but Chuck's like, it's not me, I swear. First it's adult films and handcuffs delivered during a wedding tasting, then a case of champagne delivered to the school, a bag of cocaine, and finally an envelope with a note saying, S, hope you liked your presents, coming back to town. G. Serena shows the note to Chuck and he's like, uh-oh. So whoever G is, they're an absolute menace if they can scare both Serena and Chuck. Episode 16, titled Desperately Seeking Serena. It's SAT time. The SATs really confuse me. They're like a standardized college entrance exam thing, right? And the max score is 1600, but you can take them as many times as you want. What? In Australia, at least in Perth, when I was in year 12 in 2012, yes, I'm old, get over it. We could only take those once. I got 99 in my ATAR, which apparently converts to an SAT score of 1550, which sounds pretty good. So I love that for me. So everyone's studying for the SATs and we meet the first of two iconic new characters. Nelly Yuki is Blair's nemesis because they both want to go to Yale and Nelly is smarter and more well-rounded. So Blair and the Rat Girls scheme to get Nelly to join their squad so that they can sabotage her. Nelly Yuki is so iconic. She doesn't drink, she hates shopping, yogurt on the steps. No, I'm lactose intolerant. And out of nowhere, she randomly says, look, I really don't want any friends. All I want is to be alone and to never listen to Flow Rider ever again. Nelly Yuki just says anything and I really align myself with that. Blair hears this and she's like, what's that about? Nelly reveals that her boyfriend broke up with her at a Flow Rider concert and Blair's in the background hearing this. So she whips out her phone and she downloads Elevator by Flow Rider and she plays it when Nelly walks past. She has this whole plan to trigger the meltdown and then fake befriend and comfort Nelly, lure her to Casa Waldorf and then surprise her with the XBF to distract her from studying for the SATs which are tomorrow. Alrighty, now who is G? Our next iconic new character, 
Georgina Sparks. This is a potential mother. This girl is evil, like comically evil, and I love it. Sometimes you just need an absolutely unhinged girly to make all the other characters run in circles. Georgina is Serena's BFF from Serena's feral days as the old Serena, and Georgina's back in New York to start some shit. She guilts Serena into going out for drinks so they can reminisce on old times, and she gets Serena tipsy. Serena doesn't want Dan to know what's happening, so she calls Chuck and asks him to cover for her. So Chuck tells Dan that Serena has food poisoning, but then the next day Serena's like, ugh, my migraine last night was so bad, and Dan's like, migraine? I thought you had food poisoning. Do you guys remember the international incident of me having food poisoning? It was well televised, and it was bad. Georgina calls Serena and she's like, oh my god, sorry about last night, oopsies. But wow, you're such an inspiration girl, like how you've turned your life around. Can we please get dinner and talk about it? And because of this phone call, we get an excellent Gossip Girl quote. Spotted, Serena Vanderwoodson being given a real life multiple choice question. A, go home and study. B, get a good night's sleep. C, call your boyfriend. Or D, none of the above. So Serena's on the phone to Georgina, she's like, ugh. Fine, SATs are tomorrow, but I guess I can go out for dinner. Hope that wasn't the wrong answer, S. This test doesn't grade on a curve. And then at the dinner, Georgina roofies Serena. Besties! Honey, this is how you throw a party in Mykonos, bitch! <laughs> Meanwhile, Jenny needs to come up with something quick to keep competing for Queen B against Blair. What's the one thing that no one in our group has? I mean, not even Blair. Compassion? No, a boyfriend. So little Jay takes one of the minions and she's like, let's go lurk outside of Dalton and find a man. Dalton? As in Dalton Academy? Little J, you need to read the news. Dalton Academy burned to the ground and the Warblers joined the New Directions. Anyway, Jenny runs into this guy walking dogs who gives her his number, but she's like, ew, poor, I need a rich man with status. But then she finds out the next day that he's actually mega rich. and She's like, ooh. Nate gives Dan some books to study with, which is random to start with. But then when he drops them off, he meets Vanessa because Dan and Vanessa are doing practice SATs together. And then Vanessa and Nate start hanging out together. She thinks that he's dummy, dummy, rich boy. But then she reads one of his essays and she's like, oops, I judged you. Vanessa tells Dan how she's arts documentary film Brooklyn psychotic fashion girl and Nate's like why are you doing practice SATs if you're not taking the SATs and you're not going to college and Vanessa's like oh, I'm just doing them to help Dan which is confusing to me because how does that help Dan isn't he supposed to be super smart anyway Nate's like you should do the SATs anyway to keep your options open and then they also kiss the velocity with which this show introduces couples let's all take a deep breath also what's their ship name Vanessa and Nate hashtag Vanessa. It's SATs day. Serena wakes up in Georgina's hotel room. She can't remember anything from the night before and it looks like she's not going to make it to the exam hall on time. Serena calls Chuck for help and he pays someone to take the test for Serena, which is how he takes tests. Dan sees the replacement girl checking in as Serena and he's like, question mark? Vanessa turns up to take the test because Nate has organised for her to take it. I don't know how the fuck he managed to do that considering she wasn't registered and he did that, what, the night before the test? Don't start me. Nellie Yuki arrives in shambles because her ex-boyfriend doesn't want to take her back and she cried all night. So Blair's plan worked. Blair also steals Nellie's calculator batteries as insurance. Later on, Dan confronts Serena about what the fuck is going on, but she doesn't want to tell him about Georgina. So she keeps deflecting and making up reasons why she couldn't take the SATs, but he's not buying it. And all of this is because Serena doesn't want Dan to judge her. Serena goes to Georgina's hotel room and she's like, leave me alone. You make me make bad decisions. You make me make bad decisions. I'm a singer. And when you people get that through your brains, the better it will be for everyone. And then Georgina says, what happened last year is just as much your fault as it is mine. What happened last year? The end of the episode is Dan sitting in Central Park and then a girl comes up to him it's Georgina, but she introduces herself as Sarah. This girl is evil, but she's also mother. She took a swim in Mother Lake. 
but the Mother Lake in question is 90% acid. By episode 16, things are really starting to ramp up. Blair and Jenny have been sending outrageous tips about each other to Gossip Girl, and Gossip Girl has been spraying E-Blast left, right, and Zenta. For example, E-Blast 420. Spotted, little Jenny Humphrey caught sewing Stella McCartney labels onto a Gap pocket tee. Okay, Etsy girl, support local business. Jenny and her rich boyfriend Asher are going to throw a party at his house, and this is a big deal for Jenny because it's essentially her high society debut. Jenny's also lying to absolutely everyone about absolutely everything. She's trying to hide the party from her dad because she's technically still grounded from Valentino Gate, but he finds the invite on the computer. Dad, uh, I'm not your little girl anymore. Meanwhile, Serena thinks that Georgina has calmed down. Little does she know that Georgina has been running up conversation hours getting close to Dan and Vanessa as Sarah. Time for Mr. Eric Vanderwoodson to re-debut into the plot. Eric tells Jenny that Asher isn't a good match for her, but Jenny thinks that Eric's saying this because he's in love with her. So she's like, oh, cute, but no thank you. But then Dan spots Asher kissing a boy outside the school, not knowing that the boy is Eric. You know who else has seen this? Georgina forward slash Sarah forward slash acid mother. Dan tries to tell Jenny about this, but she won't let him speak. So he sends the tip to Gossip Girl. Dan Humphrey sends a tip to Gossip Girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. When the Gossip Girl blast goes out, Blair sees it. She's like, okay, perf. If I can get proof of this, then Jenny and Asher will be over. Jenny's social currency exchange rate will plummet and then Blair can take the throne again. Blair instructs her minions to steal Asher's phone because it was once said that a person's eyes are the windows to their soul. That was before people had cell phones. And on the phone, Blair finds texts linking Asher and Eric. But Eric is her friend and he isn't out yet. So Blair's like, uh-oh. Also, this Asher guy fucking sucks. Jenny talks to him about the gay rumours and he's like, uh, obviously this is fake. It's a deal. You get your access to the Upper East Side and I get a beard as if someone like me would date someone like you. Also, I'm going to need you to tell everyone that you lost your virginity to me so that the gay rumors stop. Looks like gentlemen don't prefer blondes, little Jay. They prefer other gentlemen. So Rufus doesn't know how to handle feral felon era Jenny. So he meets up with Lily to ask her for advice and she helps him while she's at her wedding dress fitting. And it's so obvious that they're still in love with each other. Georgina sends Serena an envelope with a USB in it and a note that says, memories fade, a video is forever. Serena plugs the USB in and a video starts playing. It's footage of Serena and this random guy getting steamy, but then Serena shuts the laptop before it escalates. She walks out of her room to find Georgina talking to Lily saying that Serena Serena invited her over for dinner. Menace, menace, menace. Blair's trying to call Serena to tell her what she found on Asher's phone regarding Eric, but Serena's like, I got a crisis here, babe. I got a goal. Just as Georgina's telling Lily, oh, you all look so happy. You're freshly engaged. Serena's got Dan and even Eric has a boyfriend. Gobsmacked. Lily is in shock. She's like, uh, that can't be true. Eric is not gay. He can't be. Who said that? Eric storms off to his room and Serena follows. Serena hears Eric finishing a phone call. Turns out Chuck has been helping Eric through everything. Like, that's a nice thing to do. But Chuck is still a piece of shit, though. Don't forget. Jenny leaves the poverty loft to go to her party. And Rufus is like, I know where you're going and you can't go. And Jenny's like, you can't stop me, flop. At the party, Blair pulls Asher aside to give him the phone back. Blair could have used that evidence to destroy Jenny, but she cares about Eric and she doesn't want to hurt him. It's beautiful, isn't it? Newly out Eric turns up to the party and he tries to get Asher to admit to everyone that they were the ones kissing outside the school. To cover his tracks, Asher's like, I was with Jenny all morning. Right, Jenny? Yeah, you were. Eric's lying. Like, Jenny, girl, come on, pick your battles. Then Asher calls Eric the F-slur. So Eric says to Blair... Send the text to Gossip Girl. I don't give a fuck. The gay bomb drops. Jenny's cancelled again, this time for lying to the girl squad. Jenny tells Blair, you won. And Blair says, I told you about the price to pay to get into this world. And she was right. And remember, Blair also told Jenny that she would ruin her. 
A promise is a promise. Lily's 10-second Pam Fields homophobic era is over and she patches things up with Eric and she apologizes for reacting that way. She was just shocked and worried for him. Meanwhile, Serena is a mess, collapsing under the weight of Georgina's Louboutin heel on her neck. She goes to Blair's house. Blair's like, what the fuck is going on? You can tell me anything. Serena's like, if I tell you, then you're involved. And Blair's like, you can tell me anything. I'm sure it's not that bad. You can't push me away. And then Serena says, I killed someone. I killed someone. And she says it while the beat drops as well. Ugh. Jaw on the floor. Jaw fell 30 stories from the penthouse to the lobby. Just so fucking iconic and unhinged. Can you imagine watching this on TV in February 2008? That's the last line of the episode and you have to wait a week. Episode 17 starts with Georgina leaving Serena like 500 voicemails. She's like, let's hang out. Friends hang out. Meanwhile, Serena is at her absolute lowest. She doesn't know how to handle this situation and she's regressed back to her old Serena ways. After her I kill someone confessional she ran off and it took Blair all night to find her. Blair has summoned Chuck and Nate to help her help Serena and this is huge because as we know this quartet has so much bloody drama it's truly like Captain America summoning the Avengers to defeat Thanos. Georgina Sparks is an Avengers level threat. Dan's still running around clueless because no one's telling him anything. He runs into Sarah at the Palace Hotel while looking for Serena. Georgina's also trying to track down Serena so as Sarah she's like oh um one of my friends is staying at this hotel. Dan gets a call from a bartender saying that Serena left her phone there the night before, before leaving with three guys. Mess, mess, mess. Dan asks Lily if she knows where Serena is. Lily says that Chuck said he was going to Blair's house to get Serena. So Dan goes to Casa Waldorf. He arrives and the drama quartet is like, you need to leave. She doesn't want to see you. Dan's like, um, yeah, she does. I'm her boyfriend. Serena comes downstairs, won't tell him what's going on. Dan thinks that she cheated on him with three random guys from the bar. She says that she did just to get him to leave and to hide what she actually did. In light of Serena's meltdown, Dorota calls Lily to say that Serena has reverted to her old Serena ways, which is a huge move, but also bad news for Lily because she remembers what a monster Serena used to be. Lily goes through Serena's room trying to find evidence of what's going on and she finds the USB, starts watching it, but stops before anything happens. At Casa Waldorf, Serena finally explains to the drama quartet what's been going on with Georgina and the video and everything. After the shepherd wedding where Serena had sex with Nate, she felt like absolute shit and she needed to decompress, so she linked up with Georgina. As Tanache said, bad bitches link up. At the hotel she's at, Georgina has set up a camera and brought this guy Pete Famine to seduce Serena to try and get a Serena sex tape. Question mark, question mark, question mark. I'm pretty sure they're supposed to be 16 at this point in time. Like what the fuck? Maybe consider getting a job. I don't know, that could be useful. So in flashbacks we see Serena and this guy hooking up and she's not really vibing it. She's a bit flustered and uncomfortable. So she's like, let's do some lines. So Serena grabs his tray of D-R-U-G-S and she gives it to him. She's like, you go first, babes. He does, has a seizure and dies. Georgina is in boss babe CEO LinkedIn 500 plus connections mode. She's like, wipe all the surfaces and take all the stuff you touched. Then Serena calls 911 from Pete's phone and Georgina's like, we got to split. Serena takes a train going anywhere, new directions tease. And she calls Lily like, babes, I think boarding school would be so perfect for me right now. So that is why Serena bailed on Blair and everyone else and fucked off without saying goodbye. Meanwhile, Rufus's band is having a Rolling Stone sponsored concert. Good for her. Vanessa and Nate want to go on an official date. They organize to go to the concert together. Vanessa and Nate on a date. I have a skateboard, but I cannot skate. Dan's also going to the concert with bestie Sarah. As they're walking in, some girl says, Georgina. And Georgina slash Sarah's like, who said that? Who has been saying that? Nate calls Vanessa to say that he'll be late. And Vanessa's like, okay, cool. No worries. Dan and Sarah are already here. And Nate's like, babes, 
don't trust her. Her name's not Sarah. Her name's Georgina. I'll explain when I get there. All this is going on while Lily and Bart's wedding rehearsal dinner is happening. Lily's trying to get the truth out of Serena and she's blasting her for transforming back into old Serena. Blair pulls Lily aside and she's like, babes, respectfully, you don't know shit about what's going on here. Blair tells Lily the Pete Famine story. Then Blair and Chuck go to Rufus's show to trap Georgina. Lily takes Serena to the Famine's house to talk to his parents so that Serena can realize that Pete was too far gone, she didn't kill him, and his habits just caught up with him. When Serena said she killed someone, I kind of wish that she literally just like shot someone in the face. Like, that'd be so iconic. At the Rufus Guitar Hero concert, Vanessa confronts Georgina slash Sarah, and Vanessa tells Dan that Sarah is actually Georgina, and Georgina comes up with a lie on the spot. She says that she had an abusive ex-boyfriend, which is why she had to change her name, and that since she's met Dan, she's fallen in love with him, and of course this idiot believes her. Post-Pete Famine intervention, Serena asks Lily to take her to Rufus's show because she's ready to tell Dan everything. Serena and Lily arrive at the concert. Blair and Chuck tell Serena that Dan and Georgina are nowhere to be found. Lily watches Rufus perform. He's jamming out, sees her leave the venue, chases her outside, and they kiss on the street. Lady, your wedding rehearsal dinner is happening up the road. Blair gets a call from Dan, but it's actually Georgina who wants to talk to Serena. She's like, oh, you spilled the beans to everyone? Well, I guess all bets are off then. I'm gonna steal your man. Ooh, well, senora, steal your man. We see Dan walk up to Georgina, who just used his phone to apparently call her mum. And she's also taken the batteries out of Dan's phone so that Serena can't reach him. Remember, Dan thinks that Serena cheated on him with the random guys from the bar. And he asked her and she said that she did. So when Georgina kisses him, he kisses her back. Shout out to this eyebrow thing that Georgina does when she's up to mischief. One thing about Georgina Sparks is that she's gonna raise an eyebrow or the side of her mouth and look suspicious. It's kind of like that Brazilian Twitter meme. You know what? Shout out to Brazilian Twitter. You're so fun. Time for the season one finale, which is excellently titled Much I Do About Nothing. Serena is blowing up Dan's phone to no avail. So she goes to the poverty loft to look for him. He opens the door. Serena's like, oh, let me breathe a sigh of relief. Oh, Georgina walks out of his room. She's still playing mind games. So she's like, oh, sorry. I thought you guys were over. We don't know if Dan and Georgina slept together, but we know that something went down and Serena doesn't want to acknowledge it. After G leaves, S tells Dan everything from the start. And he's like, wow. Mmm, I wish you told me at the beginning of this mess. These two are not doing well relationship-wise. Dorina on the rocks. Can I order one Dorina on the rocks, please? When Serena leaves the loft to go prepare for the wedding, remember that, her mum's getting married, Dan calls Blair, which is weird to start with, but then he dials the number from memory. Question mark. The reason why Dan is calling Blair is to cook up a plan to finish off Georgina. The plan they come up with is to get Dan to call Georgina so that he wants to meet her in the park. And then Blair appears at said park with Georgina's parents. I think you remember your parents? Blair's given them a booklet for a boot camp for troubled girls. It's not looking good for Acid Mother right now. We find out that after the kiss on the street, Rufus and Lily slept together. Lily's like, oh, I gotta go. I've got my, um wedding to Bart today and Rufus gets some news his band Lincoln Hawk has booked a tour situation for the summer when Lily's getting ready for the wedding her and Rufus are having a little heart to heart he's like I love you what give me the word and I'll end this wedding right now Lily's like hmm I mean, I love you too, but like, I'm still gonna marry Bart. It's very complicated, honestly. Now at the reception, Lord, we have Nate's dad, Howard, who's freshly out of jail and running his mouth, saying that everything's gonna be fine. Chuck sees Howard doing shady dealings outside and tells Nate. Remember, Chuck and Nate are enemies right now, so this is big. Nate confronts Howard, who says the dodgy dealings are for him to get a fake passport to go to Dominica because he's guilty and needs to flee the country, and Nate's mother, Anne, is bankrolling it. So Nate punches him. We love duality. Vanessa comes out of the reception, she's like, babe, what's going on? 
on. And Nate's like, strap in, I've got a long story to tell you. It's now time for Dan and Serena to have a chat. Can I pull you for a chat, babe? Serena knows that something went down between Dan and George of the Jungle last night, but she's willing to move past it because she wants to stay together. But Dan thinks too much has happened and they're too far gone, so he breaks up with her. At her mum's wedding, the day he discovered the girl he may or may not have slept with last night drugged and blackmailed his girlfriend, he didn't even tell Serena that she looked nice when he turned up to the wedding. Hey guys, I hate Dan Humphrey. Stinky. Like, on the complete opposite side, this Georgina situation has brought Chuck and Blair closer together again. Like the previous night when they were scheming to bring Georgina down, they woke up cuddling. And these flirty vibes continue through the wedding reception. Mini time jump. Blair and Chuck plan to go to Tuscany for the summer. It looks like Vanessa and Nate have flopped a little bit. Like at the end of the episode, Vanessa's talking to Dan and she says that this didn't work out because they're just from two different worlds. Hmm, haven't heard that one before. <laughs> Serena runs into Nate and it sounds like they're both going to the Hamptons for the summer. Blair's on the tarmac waiting for Chuck and we see Chuck talking to Bart and Bart's like you finally got a real girlfriend you're changing your ways and Chuck's like mm, I don't like that and he pounces on the next blonde girl that walks past Blair gets a text from him saying oh um Bart's flight was delayed so you just go ahead so once again Blair gets played because Chuck has issues when will my best friend Blair know peace isn't that like her second trauma on the tarmac the new single from Blair Waldorf trauma on the tarmac can we get some commotion for Blair's tarmac trauma outfit also remember little Jay she's been off the radar for a while she's applied for a summer fashion design internship through Parsons and she's landed a spot with Eleanor Waldorf. Okay, so that's season one. In my notes, I started a character rankings, but I just had number one, Lily. And then that's it. I'm worried that you guys don't get it. But in all seriousness, if I had to do a top three of the season, I'd say Blair, Lily, and Jenny. An honorable mention to Nate. My top three most hated of the season would be Chuck. No questions there. I think we'd all agree. How would Archibald? Because that man is going to give Nate Archibald a stomach ulcer from stress. And finally, to the surprise of no one, Vanessa. Vanessa stands your last chance to make some noise. Nothing. Feel free to give me your top three and bottom three in the comments, but just remember you will be judged. Overall, very solid season. Some messy bits and weird pacing in parts, but we move. Also, so, so, so many plot holes, but I don't want to cover those now because it kind of ruins the surprise of her gossip girl. So I'll cover those at the end of season six. Thank you so much for watching my Gossip Girl season one recap. Remember season two is dropping next week, so keep an eye out for that. Be sure to do your actions, babe. Like, comment, share, and hit that subscribe button. And I'll see you all soon. You know you love me. XOXO, Mike's Mike. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> gobble, 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 gobble. Two hours of me gobbling.